and welcome to episode 79 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on April 24th, 2018. My name is Corey Motley. I'm a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He's an editor at Game Critics. How are things, Brad? Things are good. Excited to talk about the show. We've got a lot to talk about. We just got done with a very rousing banter segment, so if you're a banter person, make sure to tune in for that. And I've got my podcast shoes on, so I'm ready to roll. Your podcast shoes that are soaked in chicken juices? No, those are my other shoes. I, these, are my, these are clean. <laughs> I keep the podcast shoes clean, just for the podcast. Okay, good, good. Um... Also, spoiler alert, during banter, very tail end of banter, Brad and I revisit A Quiet Place, the horror movie that came out a few weeks ago. So if you're interested in hearing some spoilery thoughts on that, that is at the very, very end of banter. Uh, So just a heads up if you want to tune back in for that. Um, But other than that, I think we're ready to talk about some games. Are you ready, Brad? I am ready, sir. All right. Well, I will let you start things off this week. You've been playing a hot new indie that's making the rounds you want to talk about it absolutely absolutely it is called minutes m-i-n-i-t uh it's put out by devolver digital the bad boys of indie publishing uh (laughs) and i think this is a pretty good pick for them and i think their taste in general is pretty good i don't think that everything they put out is is a winner but they they have more hits than misses and this is definitely a hit um This was put together by four developers, and I'm embarrassed to say that I'm actually not familiar with them. Um, I saw their names, and I meant to look them up before the show, but of course, this is the Soviet Games Podcast. We don't do any research whatsoever, Uh, so I forgot to look them up, but uh, I think it's just four people. And what this is, it's kind of like, I want to say it's like, it's basically like a Zelda game, like a top-down 16-bit Zelda game, but the difference is... At the beginning of this game, you play this little, I don't know, this little very simple character. It almost looks like um, like Game Boy level graphics, uh, but I'm playing it on the PS4. So it's just, it's it's simple, uh, you know, intentionally simple. Uh, you, you start the game, you wander out of your house, uh, and it's very much like Zelda. Like one screen is one map. And so like when you move to the left, like the whole screen moves over with you. So it's like screen by screen movement. You pick up a sword and the sword is somehow cursed. And what happens is the sword kills you in 60 seconds but it brings you back to the last house that you slept at so then you have another 60 seconds to do something and then you die again and you get brought back to the house again then you die again so forth and so on so you're playing this game in like 60 second chunks sounds kind of weird and it is but at the same time it's actually a very clever idea and it's actually really well implemented uh the world is very small but it, it feels big, but it's small enough that you can really get anywhere you need to get to in about 60 seconds, plus giving you a few seconds to do something once you get there. Uh, also, there are these little houses. There are other houses scattered throughout the land. I think there's a total of like th- four houses. So if you need to do something on the far end of the map, you got to hustle over to like the next house, sleep at that house. The game will then log that as your new starting point, And then you can do, you know, start your next 60 seconds from that new house. So that's how they get around, like, exploring more of the land than you could get to on foot. Uh, but it's very, very simple, very, very straightforward. Uh, you have a sword that you, uh, you know, the cursed sword that can kill stuff. 
you walk around, you, you know, you'll meet a guy who's like, oh, um, I need a cup of coffee or something. And then like, eventually you'll find a cup of coffee somewhere. You bring it back to him. He gives you like some little power up. Like he'll give you something that'll make you a little more efficient or a little quicker, or it'll give you some ability to like access a new part of the map. So you're kind of like working your way through 60 seconds at a time, uh, finding a watering can, you water a plant, the plant gives you something that opens up another level you can get to. And it just kind of goes like that. It's very, I mean, it's basically like the legend of Zelda, but with that 60 second timeline, it really makes everything you're doing like a speed run. It's like you're constantly playing this game with like a thousand very, very short speed runs where it's like, oh, I really want, I saw this door that I want to explore. I got to see if I can get from my house to that door with enough time for me to open the door to get inside the door and then see if I can explore something. Um, usually what happens is you have to be very mindful about what you're doing. So like if you have a place you want to explore first, you got to like locate, is there a nearby house that you can get to that's closer? If not, you just run to that thing as quick as you can. Hopefully you get there. <laughs> you have enough time to do something, but usually what happens is you get there, you look around. Oh, it's a puzzle. Oh, I don't know how to solve this. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Okay. I'm dead. And then you like, you run back, try it again. You get a little bit further. Maybe you're dead again. And then you just keep going back and keep going back until you can figure it out. And then once you know exactly what to do, you know, everything in the game is designed for you to be able to do it in 60 seconds or less. So like when you're talking to somebody, when you're doing combat, when you're exploring new areas, when you're doing puzzles, like all of that stuff can be broken up into 60 second chunks. And it's just a matter of how you prioritize it, what you want to explore, what you want to do. Um, so it's a very simple, very straightforward game, but I actually really liked it a lot. I think it, it really works because the developers have been very thoughtful about how they produce the game. Everything is very carefully put together. Uh, there's lots of secrets, lots of nooks and crannies to explore. And even though you like you're constantly rushing, like you do get to a point where you start to get a little bit more comfortable with what you're doing. And so then you feel like you want to explore a little bit more. And it's nice to just have something that's broken up into so many like tiny little bite-sized chunks. Um, so I did end up finishing the game. I think altogether, it took me about, I want to say maybe like 80 minutes to like finish the whole game. I mean, I didn't finish it with 100%. There were like lots of secrets that I didn't get, lots of places that I could have explored, but I didn't. Uh, but after I beat the game, I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I felt like that was a good experience and I, I kind of left it. So I didn't go back and like get the platinum trophy or anything like that. But, uh, so, you know, I basically did about like 80 one minute speed runs through this game to like finish the game from start to finish. And I just really appreciated the brevity. I appreciated that there was like zero fat. I appreciated there was like no grinding. There was no leveling up. There was no, you know, time wasting bullshit. Like it was just like, here's our game, get through it as fast as you can fucking get through it. In fact, do it faster. And then that's all it was. Like, it was just get in, get out, and here it is. It's done. It's fun. It's good. It's over. And then you walk away with a good good smile on your face and a good feeling in your heart, and that's that's all there is. <laughs> so I dig it a lot. I think it was 10 bucks. I think that was super well worth it. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. I would recommend it for anybody who likes the sound of, like, a bite-sized 60-second Legend of Zelda. Um, it's good stuff. Just really good stuff. I, lo I love indies like this. I had a good time. Were there ever situations where you realized that maybe you were going too slow or you didn't have enough time to, to um, like, explore where you wanted to explore and you just had to, like, stand there for, like, 15 seconds and wait till you died? Oh, you know, they actually thought of that because that does happen quite a bit where you're like, oh, I want to do this thing, but I know that's not enough time. There's a button that you can just kill yourself. And so, like, if you get somewhere <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is not enough time, eh, you just, like, fall down dead and respawn. So they know they know that's going to happen to you. Oh, my God. I was going to ask you if you could kill yourself, but I thought that was going to be too harsh of a question. And so you just 
answered it right there for me. <laughs> no, the game is so simple. All you have is movement that's on either the D-pad or the left stick. Either way, you have sword button, which is like, I think, X. And you have kill yourself, which is circle. That's all there is. <laughs> kill yourself, sword, and move around. That's all you got. So pretty quickly, you realize they want you to use that button. All right. Well, uh, that sounds really... It sounds kind of like... Um innovative in a way that like super hot and echo were innovative yeah it definitely takes a good hard look at this kind of like top-down adventure game and then like adding the speed run element to it makes it kind of into its own thing i mean it's definitely zelda-esque and you can see where the inspiration comes from but it, it definitely has its own feel um that that rush the bite-sized nature of it the compact design uh, it's just really cool. Um, I mean, everything they do in that game is just very simple and straightforward. And it really gives you a good appreciation for how much like cruft and how much filling and how much stuffing we put in our normal games. When you strip all that stuff away and just reduce it down to its core identity, it's still enjoyable. It's still enjoyable, really fun. So I really liked it a lot. And in fact, just as a side note, I want to give a quick shout out to a game called Half Minute Hero. Have you ever heard of that before, Corey? I've heard of it, but I don't know much beyond the title. Um, it came out, I want to say it was on the Vita, or no, it may even have been on the PSP, and I think it's been ported to a few other things. Uh, it's basically like a JRPG, which has like leveling up, weapons, upgrading, uh, armor, stats, magic spells, all that stuff. But you only play that game for like 30 seconds at a time, which is why it's called Half Minute Hero. So basically kind of the same <laughs> idea. Super small world. Everything you do has got to be done within 30 seconds. Um, that game kind of plays with it a little bit because I think there are ways to extend the time if you do certain things, but basically the same idea. So if you like Minute, I would also strongly recommend Half Minute Hero. I believe that's on, at least on PC, if not other places, where that's another very, very, very successful iteration of this idea of like super short, super focused gameplay. And it also is very successful. I thought that was an excellent game as well. So uh, check that out, but definitely a big thumbs up to Minute, which is available on... I think it's on Xbox One, PC, PS4. I do not think it's on Switch, which is weird because that is the perfect place for it to be. Maybe soon. But uh, Minute is definitely a winner. Hmm, it sounds like if it's not on Switch yet, it's one of those games. It'll be on it in like six months' time. I would be very, very surprised if it wasn't. It seems like it is made for the Switch. I was, In fact, I even asked the PR person. I'm like, did you leave Switch off of your PR email? Because it seems like this is a Switch <laughs> game. Like, why is it not? And he's like, no, not yet. So... We'll see. We'll see. But uh, anyway, that's all I got to say on Minute. you think you're going to give that one a try, Corey? Uh, probably not, but it does sound delightful. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's move on to you, sir. Uh, I'm surprised to see you bring this up, but you're <laughs> going to be talking about Shadow of the Colossus. What? It's true. It's true. I'm, I only played this game because I had it on my Gamefly queue because I thought, you know, why not? There's a lot of hype. I tried the PlayStation 3 version and couldn't really get into it, but I'll revisit it. I'll see what it's like. They sent it to me, um, and I played some of it. And if you had to guess what you think I'm going to say about this game, what do you think it would be? Um, I think you're going to say it looks about the same as you remember. You played it for about maybe like 45 minutes or an hour, got bored, and you bailed. That is almost entirely accurate. <laughs> So, okay, so here, here's my thing. Okay, so, you know, okay, so every once in a while, there is a game that every, and we're, we're probably going to talk about this later on the show, too. Every once in a while, there is a game that is so universally praised that, and sometimes you try it, and it just does not, like, 
you just can't really get on board with it. Or maybe you understand that it might be a great game, but maybe it's not for you. Or maybe you just think it's terrible and everybody's crazy or something. And Shadow of the Colossus was kind of one of those games for me because I played it on uh, the whenever they put the HD version on PlayStation 3. I had never played the PlayStation 2 version. And I remembered getting about four colossi or so into it. And I just thought, man, like, I just don't, I don't think this is very much fun. I don't like this. I'm just going to stop playing it. And so whenever that happens, I don't know if you do this, Brad, but whenever stuff like that happens, and if I don't finish a game or if I just kind of bail on it, like every once in a while in the back of my mind, I think like, was like, was I the crazy one? Is the game really good? And I just didn't get it. Or should I give it a second chance? Or, like, did I, like, is there just something going on here that was blocking me from, like, accepting this game for what it was, and maybe I need to give it a second chance? Has that ever happened to you before? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not all the time, because I got a pretty good read on, like, who I am and what I like. But there are definitely games where, man, like, I'm just like, what the fuck? Everybody loves this game, and, like, I thought it was <laughs> bad, and, like, uh, I mean, like, for example, I mean, like, the, the Venom trailer. Did you see the Venom trailer yesterday? I did, I did. What did you think of that trailer? It looks kind of dumb. Yes, I thought it looked like shit. And I'm like, <laughs> this game, this movie looks bad. I'm like, this movie looks really bad. And then I go to Twitter. Everybody and their fucking brothers like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Venom's awesome. It's going to be so great. Oh, I can't wait to look great. I'm like, what are you talking about? It looked, it looked dumb. It looked like the kind of movies we got before the Marvel, before the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe kicked in. It looked like those shitty, shitty movies we used to get where we, like, trashed them. It looks dumb, and people are, like, loving it. So, anyway... That's the most recent example I can think of where I'm like, this looks really bad. And I, I'm not actually doubting myself on that one. I think it looks really bad. But yes, I totally agree. There are many, many times where I'm like, is it me? Is it you? It's probably you, but it could be me, but it's probably you. <laughs> but yes, I feel you 100% for sure. Well, okay. So that's, that's exactly what happened with Shadow of the Colossus. Like I put the PlayStation 4 version in. And, you know, I boot it up, start playing it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this game's really nice looking. Like, it looks really pretty. The environment's really nice. And then, like, you know, 15 seconds into the game, like, I get on the horse, and then immediately it starts falling apart. Oh, oh, yes. Like, oh, yes. Okay, so, god damn it. The horse controls in this game are so bad, and I don't understand how... I don't understand how on the PlayStation 2 this could happen, I don't understand how on the PlayStation 4 this could happen because like I like I'm trying to get this horse around this this universe and for anybody who has not played this game literally the only things you do in the game you get on your horse you ride it for like 15 minutes across the map to some like area of the map you fight a giant colossus boss and then you do it like I don't know how many colossi there are like 7 or 8 or something do you know how many there are I think there are 18 total are there really 18? I think there are 18. I could be wrong. It's it's in the teens for sure. I think it's 18. Oh, God. God, who could stand doing that 18 times? Um, anyway, <laughs> so you so basically, okay, so you do it 18 times. And every time you kill one, there's like a different section of the map that it kind of points you toward. And it's not like super duper like hand-holdy. Like the whole thing is like you can hold, if you're in a well-lit area, if the sun is shining on you, you can hold your sword up in the air and if you point your sword around, it, like, focuses a beam on kind of, like, the general area you're supposed to go to. And so you hop on your horse and you ride it across the land to that area. But it doesn't focus it enough to tell you, like, 
kind of like how to get there. It just kind of like points you in that direction. And sometimes it's hard to know where to go. So getting lost, I mean, if you're not an expert navigator like me, getting lost is an easy thing to do. But so like, first things first, if your horse controls like ass, like half your game is busted. And that's what I'm having a problem with. Cause like you get on the horse and I mean, an ideal horse control for me would be you hold up on the D pad or on the, on the control stick, either or, and the horse goes forward. You tilt it left for the horse to go left. You tilt it right for the horse to go right. Maybe, maybe you could press a button to make it go faster or slower, but I would prefer to just hold the control stick all the way to the top to make it go fast and then hold it a little bit off to make it walk, which is how like 99% of like first person shooter protagonists work. No, 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 not in this game. In this game, you press the triangle button to make the horse go and you have to press it repeatedly because every time you press it, the main character like kicks his heels into the horse to make it go faster. So you have to press the triangle button several times in order to get it to accelerate. It took me a while to realize that I, you don't have to hold up on the control stick to make it go. Like once it's kind of going, you could just kind of tilt the stick left and right in order to make the horse turn left and right. But the problem is that every time you turn the horse the slightest way left or right, it slows down almost to a halt. So you have to turn it press triangle a few times to get it to go fast again. And then every time you turn it the slightest bit, you have to keep tapping triangle to make sure it's going faster because who has the fucking time in the day to like waltz your horse slowly across these vast landscapes. Nobody has time for that. You want it to go fast, but the game like fights you tooth and nail on like making the horse go at like a normal jogging pace. And so I got like, I was having problems with it from like getting to Coloss Colossus number one but I kind of sucked it up. I was playing on easy mode, so it made the Colossus boss battles a lot faster and a lot easier, which I was thankful for. I got to the second Colossus and was not having a good time getting the horse around. It took me a long time to figure out where to go because, like, I couldn't quite figure out exactly where to go. I killed the second Colossus, and I was like, okay, like, I'm not crazy. This is kind of how I remember this game on PS3. It's kind of boring. It's not really that exciting. And then I'm supposed to go to the third Colossus because the beam sword like navigator thing is not super helpful. I end up like going in like a wrong direction around this like plateau thing, realize I'm going in the wrong direction. I have to go back around the way I came using the awful horse controls. And then I go through this like cave thing that takes me up to like, there's like a, I don't know, like this big platform that's kind of in the sky. And you have to like walk up this ramp that's like circling this platform thing that the Colossus is supposed to be on. And whenever you get to the top of this, like, ramp piece, there's, like, a floating stone thing in front of you. And the camera is positioned in a way that's basically like, hey, you have to jump here and grab on this thing. Because if I try to move the camera and circle it around to get a better view on everything, the game says, no, no, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to move the camera right back where we put it because fuck you and fuck you trying to get to use these, these camera controls that we give you to give you a better view on things. No, we're going to show you where you're supposed to look and you're supposed to look at this fucking stone that you're supposed to jump to and grab onto and climb up. So I jump toward the stone. I hold the grab ledge button. He does not make it to the stone and falls oh, in the water. No. And the water is like a mile down. So I fall in the water and I'm like, okay, my bad. Maybe I need to get like a running start. Maybe I need to be a little more proactive. Maybe I didn't jump at the right angle. So it takes me like a full minute, maybe two minutes to like swim back to the ramp, to run back up to the ramp. 
And I get back up there and I go through the the camera tango again just to make sure it's pointing in the right spot to make sure this is the right thing I'm supposed to jump on. And so I say, okay, this has got to be it. Like, let me back up like 50 feet and I'll get a running start and I'll jump back to it. So I back up down the ramp thing a little bit. I run up the ramp. I jump toward it again. I am holding the R2 button, which is the grab ledge button. And I miss the platform again. And I fall back down into the water. And at that point, I said, fuck you, Shadow of the Colossus. (laughs) And I turned it off. And I took it out of my PlayStation 4, and I deleted it off my hard drive, and I could not put that thing back in my Gamefly envelope and seal it and put it in the mail fast enough, because that game is a, it's a fucking nuisance how difficult it is just to control yourself to get around the environment in that game. And that's like half of what the game has going for it. If half of your game is riding your horse around the environment, and your horse controls like it it's wearing fucking concrete boots then this game is a failure and i'm not into it <laughs> i love when you hate a game so much that you just like fucking delete it off your hard drive immediately <laughs> that you get that feeling you're just like pushing that button like even harder than you normally would just fucking delete I need this fucking thing off the hard drive <laughs> oh i've done God. that myself many times i didn't do it with this game but i have done that many times and i know i know that angry delete feeling that's a good feeling uh, so I'm not disagreeing with you, dude. I reviewed this game for Game Critics uh, when this remaster came out. I Was it last year? Or was it this year? Was it this year? I think it was this year. I feel like it was this year that it was remastered. Uh, and I, I liked it back in the day. I'm a fan of Fumito Ueda. I like all three of his games. Um, so I'm definitely a fan. Let's put that out there. Uh, I did replay this for, for Game Critics and I reviewed it pretty well. But I 1,000% agree with you. Um, in fact, in my review, I actually call that out uh, because I was wondering, like, if they're going to go to the trouble of, like, recreating the environments and remastering the levels and the graphics, like, why would you not fix these issues? But, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a more of a... I guess it's a, a deeper discussion about the ethics of remastering a game, which I guess is kind of a new thing for people these days because it's not like... It's not like when you cover a song, like if somebody covers a song or, you know, like somebody writes a song, it's a hit. And then later on, somebody, you know, like Smash Mouth comes along and covers the song like they do their own (laughs) version of it. But it's not like you don't think the original person did that. Like you're like, oh, yeah, Smash Mouth did this. You know, they had their own version of it. It's different. But that's not how we view remasters. Like we kind of view remasters as the original game, but maybe ported to a new hardware system or you know, had some bugs erased from it that were there before or something. And I think we kind of generally look at those as still the original product, just like polished up a little bit, which then brings up the question of if this is what the original game was like on PS2, how much can we fix or how much can we change before it is no longer that game anymore? And it is our version of the game. So I don't have the answer to that, but I know that people are talking about it. I know that's kind of a new question for video games and it also kind of relates to like authorship it also relates to art it also relates to um an original vision like you know i think that people would argue that the original control scheme for shadow of the colossus was very intentional and uh, ueda made it that way because he wanted it to connect with the game in a certain way he wanted you to feel a certain way so by the developers uh, i think it's blue point who did the port i'm pretty sure by blue point yeah, including a new control mm-hmm. scheme they're kind of taking away some of that vision but it's also a concession to modern players. So 
I, you know, like I said, I don't have the answer to that. So I kind of get why it's not totally fixed. And I, uh, I mean, I can see both sides of it because I got to be honest with you, dude, I fucking hated the controls too. Like I'm not sticking up for them at all. I really hated the horse controls. I fucking hated the camera controls. I hate, I aggressively hated the camera controls in this game. Um, it was really frustrating. I mean, that part you said about the camera going back to where the camera wants to be rather than where you want it to be drove me up the fucking wall. I could not stand it. Like they, the camera wants to be in a certain place, no matter where you are. And often it gives you a very cinematic view, which is nice for a minute but like when I need to see something like when I need to see the ledge, like, you know, that ledge that you're talking about, I think I fell off that ledge too. There's also another part in the game, deeper in the game where you're crossing uh, like near a waterfall kind of thing. There's a lot of water. And I, I missed that jump, I think four or five times in a row. I was screaming. Like I was just like, I was raging. I was like, this is ridiculous. Leave the fucking camera where I want it to be. And you know, the other part of this, I, was, I don't know if you made this far, but there are at least a couple of Colossi, I think the second one is where you got to ride the horse maybe, but there's more where like they're very horse dependent. Like there's one where you got to ride the horse next to this guy to jump on his back. There's one where you got to like chase him around the sand and like, you got to be on the horse and like riding the horse at the same time that you are trying to keep the camera where it needs to be requires more thumbs than a human. Per I almost got my dick on the fucking <laughs> controller to like get the camera to where it needed to be. Cause I'm like, I, I literally can't get this game to work the way I want it to work. So I hear what you're saying. I 1000% agree for sure. For sure. Very frustrating controls at times. Um, that said, I think I came down on it a lot softer than you did. I finished the game. I actually really like this game a lot, even despite the problems and it does have problems. Um, I just, I just really like it. I like the idea of like being on the Colossi. I think the Colossus fights are pretty cool. I could definitely do without the crisscrossing of the landscape. I'm with you on that. Like I, it really wore on me after a while. Like for the first like two or three hours, it's fine. But like as the Colossi get further and further out and all you're doing is riding the awkward horse, like it's just, it's not, it's not great. And I don't really know how to fix that or whatever, but like, I definitely agree that like just riding around after a while got really, really boring. But despite those issues, you know, control camera, too much horse, uh, I still really like it a lot. I mean, I do really like it. I'm a fan of this game for sure. And I had a good time with it. So I'm not surprised you bounced off. And I'm kind of even surprised you tried it because we talked about this earlier and you seemed like you were like really like not for it. But I do give you credit for being willing to try it again because, you know, as a critic, I think it's our responsibility to kind of check ourselves once in a while. Like it's not okay to just have an attitude and just roll forward and never think about if what you're thinking is the right thing. If it's... if if you need to maybe change your perspective, if you need to take other factors into account, if you maybe give something some time and come back to it, maybe it'll strike you differently. If you have some life experience, maybe something will strike you differently. I think it, it every critic who is a serious critic or who wants to be a responsible critic, I think needs to check themselves once in a while in the way that you did. I think that what you did was great. So even though you knew you probably weren't going to like it, the fact that you gave it a second shot, I think speaks very highly of you. And I really respect you a lot for doing that uh, because I think that is the mark of a true critic is being willing to come back to something to see whether, whether it was you, maybe it was the game. Maybe it was a bad time in your life. Who knows, you know, but you know, so the fact you don't like it doesn't bother me at all. I know that a lot of people don't care for this game and that's totally fine. Uh, but I give you props for trying it out and, uh, you can uh, hold your head up high that you at least gave it a second shot. I did. I gave it a second shot and I, it's like that, <clears throat> that like Simpsons meme where it's like, oh, is it the kids who are wrong? Or, or, like, is it I'm that's wrong? No, it's the kids who are wrong. That's how I feel about this. Like, is the game good? No, the game is not good. I am right. 
Oh, we will we will get to that. I will chime in on that very <laughs> shortly. Very shortly indeed. But we will hold off on that. Any final words on Shadow Colossus, Corey? Nope. I cannot wait to stop talking about this game, so let's move on. All right, cool. I'm just going to give a really brief update on Raiders of the Broken Planet. Um, I have talked about this before on the show, haven't I? You have, and I cannot, for the life of me, remember what it was. Yeah, nobody else does either. I don't... (laughs) That's kind of this game's problem. Uh, It's got a lot of problems, honestly. So this is from Mercury Steam, who are... I want to say they're Spanish developers. I'm actually a really big fan of theirs, but they have a very hit-or-miss track record. They made the... 3D, what is that, that new Castlevania that, that had, like, Patrick Stewart in it? What was that one called? Uh, Lords of Shadow? Lords of Shadow. So they made Lords of Shadow, the first one. Uh, I actually have that in my backlog. I keep meaning to come back to it. I didn't play it because at the time, I think I bounced off it. I think I played the first 15 minutes and I didn't like it, so I stopped. And then my wife played it, and she really liked it, but there was a save bug, and she lost, I think, like, 15 hours of progress that got deleted. Oh, no. And when I heard that that happened to her, I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. So I I stopped, but I think they got it patched. I mean, it was years ago, so I'm sure it's fine now. I'm going to play that uh, at some point. I did play Lords of Shadow 2, which I thought was fantastic. That game, that game is buried under a mountain of shit. Like, every reviewer <laughs> on Earth hates that game. You will find no shortage of people to take a, like a steaming dump on that game. I thought Lords of Shadow 2 was phenomenal. I thought it was very, very good. It had a couple problems. Some of the stealth was way too hard. And some of the puzzles were a little bit questionable. But like overall, really strong art design. Really strong concept. Really great world design. Like really great combat. Like it, just, it was just really good all the way around. I mean, a few rough edges, but really, really good. They've done a few other things. They were, in fact, also responsible for the recent Metroid... Uh, remake? What was the one that just came out of 3DS? Re- oh, Samus Returns. Samus Returns. They made Samus Returns. Uh, they've done a few other things. They're actually a very, very talented um, studio. And what they usually do is they split themselves up into two, two arms. So one arm will do licensed work for other people. So that's like the arm where they do Castlevania. That's the arm where they do Metroid. And they do a really good job. The other side of their studio is where they do their own thing. Um, they've done a few other things. They're not. It's not leaping to mind right now. And like I said, we don't do research, so I can't recall off the top of my head. But Raiders of the Broken Planet is from the side of their studio that's doing their own thing. So uh, I, I've talked about it before. I don't remember what I said, but basically, what this game is, it's a third-person shooter. It's episodic, so each chunk of the game has about four or five missions. Uh, you can play by yourself. There is a solo mode, and then. But the real point of the game is to play with others. You can either group up with three other people online and try to complete missions, or you can be by yourself and you will be like the quote-unquote bad guy and you will try to stop groups of people from achieving their missions. So, like, you can be on the side of the good team and try to get the missions accomplished, or you can be the lone bad guy and try to sabotage them, try to, you know, snipe them, stop them from meeting their goal. So that's really the, the gist of the game is they want you to be online They want you to play with others. They want you to keep playing the multiplayer stuff because there is like a level progression system where you like unlock new skins and new guns and so forth and so on. And the whole thing is wrapped up in this really weird, unique kind of Mad Max in space vibe, which is really 
I find it very appealing. I really like their art style. Whoever's in charge of the art in Mercury Steam is totally speaking my language because everything that they do, I think looks really badass and really cool. And I really like it a lot. Uh, and in this particular game, I find it fascinating because I am totally attracted to all of the characters in this game. And yet I also think they are all disgusting and repulsive. Like it's <laughs> exactly the middle, the, the middle space between being grossed out and being turned on. And I think that's a very unique place to be in terms of like art design. And I don't see that very often. But boy, they fucking, they nail that here. Like everybody is gross and sexy in equal measure, which I think is pretty, pretty difficult to pull off. So they just put out a brand new update. Uh, I think this is the fourth update. It's called Hades Rebellion? Hades Betrayal. Hades Betrayal. Sorry, sorry. Apologies. Hades Betrayal is the fourth chapter. It adds four new missions. It adds one new character that you can very easily unlock. It adds a couple characters that are very difficult to unlock. And they basically redo all of the progression system. So I like this game a lot, but I think it fucking sucks. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I really want this game to succeed and I really like it, but it's just, it's not a good game. And I'll tell you why. Um, the mechanics are very strange. It feels very chunky and slow to move around. It's almost like Gears of War. Do you ever play Gears of War, Corey? Oh, yeah. So it's like that. You feel like you're one of those, like, meatheads walking around where you're big and heavy, and, you know, you've got these guns, and you're kind of, like, taking cover, stop and pop kind of action, which is fun, and it works pretty well. But there's this weird kind of paper, rock, scissors system in the melee. It's like if you, it's like if you punch a guy... But they grab you, then the grab trumps the punch, and they kill you instantly. Uh, and that comes up, like, more often than I would like. And it's really, it's not as clean cut as that, because it's hard to read what enemies are doing sometimes. Or sometimes, like, you did your move first, but sometimes the computer reads them as doing their move first. And for any character to have an instant kill blows. Like, it's not fun. Like, it's fun when you do it against the AI, but when the AI does it to you, it's terrible. Because then, you know, you lose progress, and you, just, you can't do anything about it, which sucks. So I don't like that. Also, uh, you don't get any rewards for playing single player. You get like a couple like in-game dollars, which you can do nothing with. Like they don't give you enough money to do anything with. You can't unlock any new skins. You can't unlock characters. So they're basically kind of flipping you the bird if you want to play by yourself, which is really the only way I like to play because I just want to see the new characters. I just want to see the new maps and then I'm done. Like I don't want to do multiplayer, but they really, 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 really want you to do the multiplayer. So all of the rewards are tied up in multiplayer but it sucks because not only is it not interesting to play the same maps over and over and over, like, I mean, some games can do that, right? Like, obviously, PUBG, Fortnite, like, that's a kind of gameplay mode where, like, it's really interesting because there's a lot of emergent gameplay happening. A lot of unexpected moments can happen, uh, you know, weird stuff. There's also stuff like Overwatch where it's like the each character has their own moves and it's very strategic about which character you have even though you're doing the same maps, but each battle feels like a totally different battle because maybe the team has a different uh, lineup or maybe you're trying a different approach with your character. There's a lot of like depth and richness to those games. Any game that like gets you online and keeps you playing has got that special sauce, right? You need to have that special sauce if you want to keep people coming back. Raiders of the Broken Planet does not have that special sauce at all. And they think they do and they want to have it, but they just, <laughs> they just fucking don't. And I'm not saying it's a bad game because... If they took the same game, the same concept, the same characters, the same gameplay formula, and if they made it a traditional level-based game where you start at level one and you finish at level 15 and that's the end of the game and you're done, that would be a great game. Like, I would I would recommend that game. 
But that is not what this game is. They want you to come back and just do the same maps over and over and over. They want you to do multiplayer all the time because that's where all the upgrades are. But it sucks because as someone who does not play much multiplayer, I got on with my level one character. And this is a game where you get better guns, uh, you know, better abilities. Uh, you basically improve your character in a very fundamental mechanical way if you put time into this game. So when I'm jumping into multiplayer as level one and I'm going up against somebody who's level fucking 49... I get insta-killed with one fucking shot. And so I'm like, okay, I'm brand new to this game. The multiplayer side, anyway. I played the single player, but I'm jumping into the multiplayer for the first time. Uh, and I just, it sucks. Everybody's killing me with one hit. People who have played this game for longer than I have know all the tricks. They've got all the techniques down. I was getting one-shotted left and right. And it was just like these long load times to get back in the game. I didn't, you know, I was feeling like I was not making any progress. And I was not winning. I was not killing anybody. And it was just a really, really miserable experience to get stomped on by people who have been playing the online a lot longer than I am. And they are mechanically better. I mean, they're probably better just from being, you know, practicing the game more, but they are fundamentally better, more powerful guns, more powerful abilities. It's like, that's not fun to play against. And I'm not going to throw myself into that meat grinder over and over and over to get like, you know, a fraction of the loser XP. And if I lose 15 matches, maybe I'll level up like one time and just keep throwing myself in that meat grinder. Like, no way. Like, it's not fun. And it's just, it's just a really poor idea, really poor planning to do with this IP. Like, it just doesn't fit what they're trying to do. The game is not good enough for this kind of thing. I don't know anybody that's playing it. I uh, I put out a call to Twitter. I was like, is anybody, is anybody in my feed playing this game? And I I know, like, everybody in the review sphere, dude. Like, I mean, whether we're friends or not, I have, I can, I can basically talk to anybody in the review sphere. And they know who I am and I know who they are. And it's like, no one is playing this game. No one is playing this. And I'm like, these guys at Mercury Steam, I feel bad for them because I think that they've come up with a cool cast of characters. It's a cool world. It's a cool idea. I would be down for playing Mad Max in space with these gross, sexy characters and just doing a campaign and then calling it done, rolling credits and being finished. I wish I could do that. But that's not what this game is. It's not going to be that game. And what they have turned out it just feels like they had their head in a really wrong place. Like, I think they wanted some of that game as service money. They're not going to get it. That's not going to happen. That's not what this game is. It's nowhere in that league. It's not Overwatch. It's not Fortnite. So I think these guys are destined for a quick uh, failure with this game, which I hate to say, like, I don't wish them, I don't wish them ill. I think they're good guys. I think they're very talented. Uh, I just think they got off on the wrong track with this game. I don't know if they can course correct in time. I don't think they probably will. So it's a shame but if you want more of it, Hades Betrayal's out. You can play the fourth expansion. I mean, if you want to play solo, it'll keep you busy for about an hour. And then after that, the multiplayer's there if you want it. I don't want it, but it's there if you want it. So <laughs> anyway, I'm kind of heartbroken to say all this, but I really wish this game was doing better. I wish it was a better game. I wish I did something different with this game, but that's that's not that didn't happen. That's not the case. So I wish I could recommend Raiders of the Broken Planet. I actually don't recommend it, but if you want to check it out, just to see what it's all about, see some of those cool characters, get a feel for it. It's there. You can download the first episode for free, but it's got problems. So there we go. Any, uh, you, you, uh, have you never played this, have you, Corey? I have not. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I got to say. Any questions before we move on? Um, I thought I had one. Oh, I was going to ask you if, um, like, is this the kind of game where you think in like six months 
there's going to be news stories about, oh, their servers are going to be turned off. Nobody's playing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't wish these guys ill at all. I really wish they would succeed because I want them to have a big hit. But I would not be surprised if they... I mean, I think they'll. I think they will deliver the final chapter. There's only one more chapter to go. I think they will deliver, but I would not be surprised if six months after the final chapter they just shut it down because it's got. They've got to be losing so much money on this. I don't know anybody who's playing this. Nobody even knows about it. No one's talking about it. Um, you know, the PR person that I talked to was thrilled that I was even showing even a little bit of interest in this game. So, I don't think it's doing well at all. And I think that you know, six months after the last chapter, that's probably going to be all she wrote. That's sad. Well, at least they are finding success in their, like, more licensed things as a studio. Yeah, they've got some serious talent. I mean, they've got some chops. They can make some good games. They've got good ideas. They've got a lot of things in their corner. I Like I said, I am a fan. Like, I don't want it to sound like I'm being down on these guys. I really want them to succeed. I wish them well. But, man, this just, this just got off on the wrong foot. But, yeah, they do have success. I mean, everything else they've done, I think, has been really well. I mean, generally, in general, really well received and... Uh, despite what other people might think of their work, I think their work is actually pretty brilliant uh, in most times. So hopefully they will turn it around or, I don't know, shut it down before their studio has to close or something. I mean, uh, hopefully this is not going to be the death of their studio. I don't think it will be, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sad times for Raiders of the Broken Planet, but there you go. So enough about that. You were um, surprising me again for the second time this week, sir. <laughs> surprising myself too. <laughs> red Faction. So number one, which Red Faction is this? And number two, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so let me tell a brief story here so i every time there's a sale on psn i always check it out i always see what's going on i always want to know like hey is there a game that's on sale that i've been looking at is there a game that's on sale that i haven't been looking at that maybe the price is cheap enough for me to go for sort of like that's how i stumbled into like get even which i talked about two shows in a row that i loved um so I'm on PSN. They're having a sale. It might still be going on right now, maybe. Um, I'm scrolling down through the games, and I see the original Red Faction, literally from 2001. I think it was a PlayStation 2 launch title. Oh, Jesus. The very first Red Faction. Holy shit. The very first Red Faction, which I played on the PlayStation 2 back in the day. I want you to know this is not, not my first rodeo with Red Faction. I've actually played three of the four red factions i've played the first one i've played the second one i've played gorilla which is the best and so underrated but i have not played armageddon i think patrick played most of armageddon but i did not play it um so it was on sale for a whopping one dollar and 49 cents as was i know i know as was Red Faction 2, so I bought both of them because I thought, you know what? I have fond memories of Red Faction. I just kind of want to jump back in, see if it still holds up, kind of remind myself of what all the, the hullabaloo was. Because at the time, in 2001, Red Faction was like the hotness in like first-person, um, kind of like story-driven shooters, like in a, in a Half-Life sort of sense. Like it was like the thing back in the day um this was like pre halo um it was pre like call of duty being big it was very much in that like sort of like uh half-life 2 area of like the bubble of like first person kind of storage driven pc games so i uh i bought it and i was like oh i'll just jump in you know and kind of play it for a little bit and kind of see remind myself of it and I have not finished it yet, but I think I'm very close to the end. So, you know, suffice it to say, I played a lot more than just a little bit at the beginning. But 
Um, so the big thing, for those who don't know what Red Faction is or what know what the first Red Faction is, um, Red Faction is a first-person shooter, controls very similarly to Half-Life and Half-Life 2, um, where you play as a guy named Parker. I can't remember if Parker is his first or last name, but he goes by Parker. He This is in the future where uh, humans have gone to Mars and they're living on Mars and there's sort of like these mining facilities on Mars um, that are have been started by this company called Ultor, um, U-L-T-O-R. And Ultor is like, in all of Red Faction uh, canon, Ultor is kind of like the big bad company that you're kind of always fighting against. And... And Red Faction 1, you play as Parker, who took a job, an off-world mining job, uh, with Ultra on Mars because he kind of wasn't going anywhere in life, and he kind of felt like he needed to just, like, kind of put his head down and work for a few years, and maybe he would find some clarity and some peace off of Earth. Um, the game doesn't really super-duper establish what it's like on Earth, so I'm not sure if, like, living conditions are awful and people are, like, you know, trying to get off Earth to go to Mars to, to work because they just can't handle being on Earth. I'm not really sure. But you get to Mars, and... He starts working for this mining company, and basically he thinks that Mars is going to be, like, this new cool place to live, and that it's going to be, like, an all-right job, and that it's going to give really just kind of make some money and give him some time to think. But really, it turns out that the mining job is awful, uh, the working conditions are awful, um, a lot of the miners that are working for Ultor are kind of, like, working themselves to death, um, the Ultor guards and the Ultor, like, corporate corporate people are really terrible, and not only that, but there is a plague that is on um, that is on Mars that is actually basically just like killing miners like left and right. Like he talks, Parker talks in his opening monologue about how, you know, it's really kind of scary whenever you're just working in the mines. And then all of a sudden, like the guy next to you just dies from the plague and you don't know if like you're going to get it next and die. It's a very unexpected scenario. And so the point of the game is that you are a member of Red Faction and you start... You basically, it's your job. You want to overthrow Ultor. Like, Ultor is the big bad corporation. You're part of the Red Faction. You're overthrowing them. At the beginning of the game, the thing I like about this game is that it does not fuck around. Like, 30 seconds into the game, the revolt has started, and you're, like, shotgunning dudes left and right. Like, <laughs> like Ultor dudes. I love it. Like, you literally start the game, and you're, like, in this mining cavern, and there's a co-worker miner, and he's like, oh, hey, Parker, workday's done. Like, let's go. And as you're walking down the cavern... um, like, he gets in a brief argument with an Ultra Guard, and then, like, the Ultra Guard is, like, he's, it's really cheesy, like, 2001-era writing, where he's, like, says something about, like, oh, like, mine scum, you know, like, back off, and then they start, like, a little quarrel, and then the Red Faction dude kills the Ultra Guard, and then, boom, like, the rebellion is at full force in that moment, and you're, like, 30 seconds in the game and you run up to the to the uh, the ultra guy who died you picked up his little stun baton you like stun baton a guard to death you get his pistol and then boom you're like running and gunning for the rest of the game and the big 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 thing that this game like the big technology that this game was using back in the day was called geo mod technology oh yes and oh yes yeah this was like the big thing back then and this was as far as i know the only game that did it and the only game that maybe has ever done it and Geomod technology means that you can use an explosive weapon like a rocket launcher or C4 or grenades to basically blow like an infinite amount of tunneling into the walls. Like if you're in a cavern, you could basically keep shooting rockets at a wall and the tunnel will keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and you could keep going through it. It also means that you can 
break into other rooms very easily. Like if there's a room close to you and the door is locked, you can kind of like dig yourself a tunnel through it into the room. Sometimes you'll come into like a cavern and there will be like a little hole in the wall that kind of tips you off that there's something on the other side and you can like blow a hole in the wall and then get access to the other room. Um, this was like the big thing. And whenever Red Faction Guerrilla came around, which was on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, it was kind of like a soft reboot of the idea. But instead of Geomod technology, they had a thing. Their big thing was like building demolishing. So there's like all these buildings and all these structures all over Mars in that game. And it was third person in Guerrilla. And a lot of the game is about blowing these buildings up, like watching them shatter to pieces. And it's great. Red Faction Guerrilla is so, so amazing. And it's so underrated and I love it. And they're doing a remaster of it. So I'm very excited for that to come out. But um, that was sort of like an evolution of Geomod technology. But I mean, Red Faction, the original one is basically like, it's kind of just like a big run and gun game. It reminds me a lot of Half-Life. It's not as sophisticated as Half-Life or Half-Life 2, but it's like you running through these Mars caverns, like shooting dudes. There's a lot of weapons. It kind of comes from that era where um, the game is not shy about giving you a lot of weapons. Like instead of giving you one pistol and one assault rifle, you have like a stun baton, a pistol that you can silence or unsilence. You have a shotgun, you have an assault rifle, a submachine gun, a sniper rifle, a rocket launcher, a precision rifle, a heavy machine gun, C4, grenades. Like you have all these things that you can basically pull out of your tool belt at any time and use. And all of them have secondary weapon functions. Like the submachine gun has like a, like a, uh, like a more uh, dangerous ammo, like high velocity ammo, maybe. And then it has standard ammo. Um, the pistol, like you can silence or you can unsilence it. The assault rifle has three round burst or it has full auto. So just like little things like that. And it's just a lot of like kind of a big precursor to like the Halo era where it's kind of a story driven first person shooter. Um, very linear. It has uh, vehicles. So you can ride these like Jeeps and there's some like submarines that you can go around in these underwater vehicles. Um, you can blow holes in walls. You can uncover this ridiculous Ultor corporate conspiracy that's going on to the game because, like, ooh, maybe they're manufacturing the plague. Maybe they're not. Maybe they have the cure and they're not giving it to you. Like, you have to play to find out. But it is... I mean, I'm playing on easy mode, so that's been, like, a blessing because this is not the kind of game I would enjoy if it's really hard. But, I mean, it's been a pretty good romp, like, just playing through it. And the controls hold up surprisingly well, considering it came out in 2001. Um, and, honestly, I mean, the story holds up. Like, in my mind, I've just been replacing, every time they talk about Ultor, I've been replacing it with Tesla, because this is what I think is going to happen <laughs> to Tesla in the future. Like, this is basically what Elon Musk wants to do. He wants to, like build life on mars and then like have people live there whenever we can't even like take care of the fucking earth that's around us like he doesn't care about unions he doesn't care about safe working conditions he like just wants to get to mars for like the fame and the glamour of saying that he gets to mars so like that's kind of how i'm subbing in this story for myself like this is a realistic thing as sad as it is that i could actually see happening in the future the biggest drawback this is my last thing i'm going to say before you can uh give me some questions or input brad the biggest drawback of this game is that i don't know if this was a, a product of its time or if they just didn't do it but this game does not have auto saving so oh, yeah, yeah yeah if yeah. you do not remember to manually save your game and die you're going to be playing a lot of game over again which i forgot about when i started i got like 30 minutes in 
died and then had oh, to start the no. game completely over again, which was kind of shitty. But because I'm playing on easy mode and because it's kind of like just like a fun romp, like it really wasn't that big of a deal for me to get back into it. But um, but it's it's really fun. I'm pleasantly surprised at how natural and how well it controls, considering it's from so long ago on the PlayStation Four and. I mean, I'm having a good time. I'm planning to beat it. I'm probably going to play Red Faction 2 right after, and I will maybe bring Red Faction 2 to the show next week or the week after. So I, I'm enjoying it, and it was a dollar and 49 cents. Wow. You know, what a blast from the past. I do remember when Red Faction was like the up-and-coming thing, and people thought it was going to be like the next big thing. Uh, I, I think I played almost all of them. I don't think that I finished any of them i never really clicked with them that much i mean i didn't think they were bad games it's just like not really my cup of tea so i would kind of dip in just to kind of get a feel for like what was going on but it wasn't like um yeah they just never really clicked with me i think gorilla was the one that i put the most time into but i don't think i finished that one either but yeah i do remember the destroying the buildings and i think your guy had like a crowbar or something that he could like take out support beams in the buildings or some shit like that like i i it's it's vaguely in the back of my mind like i've spent time with all of these but it's interesting that you are playing these now i guess i'm curious i mean i do i do, i do uh understand about the autosave thing we've gotten very comfortable in modern gaming boy <laughs> back in the day that was not always a thing but how are the graphics like you didn't really talk about the graphics very much i mean i know the controls hold up and it's still obviously fun to play but like looking at it like is it just really painful or are you just like kind of like you know giving it a lot of grace or like wh what's it look like I mean, it does not look good. Like, it's it's not like a remaster or like an HD re-app or anything. I mean, it definitely looks probably a little bit smoother than if you, like, put in the PlayStation 2 version and the PlayStation 2. But, I mean, it's like... I mean, the graphics are pretty terrible. Like, almost all of the enemies look exactly the same. Um, they're just kind of, like, armored, gun-toting dudes. A lot of the... Uh, a lot of the levels take place in these, like, red caverns because you're on Mars that look very, like, one looks very similar to the last one you were in. So the level design is not super varied. Um, there is a point where you kind of get to these, like, laboratory, like, corporate areas where you're kind of moving up and it's more, like, pristine and you're actually in, like, indoor environments. But, I mean, it looks, it doesn't look good, but it doesn't look offensively bad either. It's just, like kind of stuck in that like you know kind of like half-life era of what games look like back then yeah let me okay so let me follow up with you i think just maybe one more major question here about the geo mod thing because this actually this is one thing that sticks out in my mind about this game was i do remember them making a big deal about geo mod how it was supposed to be like deformable levels or you're supposed to be able to like you know like you said dig tunnels in areas and kind of reshape the environment around you which at the time was very unique and i'm not sure that very many other games have done that i think a few have done it but not many by any means it was it did not actually you know revitalize the industry and take off the way that i think they <laughs> thought it would they were really positioning it as being like the next big thing in all caps and it just didn't pan out but um i remember the thing that i remember about this and please tell me how this stacks up for you I remember hearing about Geomod and going into Red Faction and trying it and being frustrated because it seemed like only certain places were Geomod friendly. Like I remembered taking a rocket launcher, shooting at a wall or something and being upset that it didn't blow up or like trying to do, you know, like I was testing the limits of it. Like what what is Geomodable and what is not? And at the time, I remember being very unimpressed that very little of the environment was actually 
um, you know, able to be blown up or deformed or removed or destroyed. Uh, but that's, I mean, that, you know, who knows? That was like many, many years ago. Maybe I was in the wrong section. Maybe I wasn't doing it properly, but that was my recollection. So how does that stack up for you? Do you, do you only have very limited opportunities to do the Geomod or is it in a certain kind of room or is it, does it live up to the hype? I mean, what, what's your experience with the Geomod aspect specifically? Okay. The Geomod technology is super lame. Let me just start off with that. Like, <laughs> at, the, at the very beginning of the game, um, I think you get like C4 charges pretty early on. And there's some cool parts where like you'll walk into a cavern and there'll be a very obvious like X spray painted on the yes, wall. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and that's supposed to be like the, like, oh, obviously I must be able to blow this section up because it's like a little demolition X. And it's cool because like you put the C4 there, you blow it up, and then it blows a hole into the next cavern. And it always happens where you like go through the hole and there's like a new weapon in there or like some body armor or something. So it's kind of like a neat little um, sort of like secret area, I guess. It's almost like um, getting like the turkeys in the walls in Castlevania in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but after a while, it like you get into so many areas that are indoors that I mean, and keep in mind, I'm not somebody who uses explosives very much in games. So I haven't really tried whenever I'm in interior areas to like shoot rockets everywhere to like see if I can blow through the walls and blow doors open and everything. But I'm pretty sure that the only place you places you can take like full um advantage of geomod is in like the actual cavernous areas and even then like it's almost pointless because at a certain point in the game like you're kind of so like thick in the story that there's not really an opportunity for you to be like oh let me just waste 15 minutes like blowing a hole through this cavern as far as i can to dig myself deeper because there's really like no um there's just like no advantage. It's just a time waster and an ammo waster. And maybe there's like hidden stuff hidden, you know, in certain walls and stuff that maybe they don't mark that are for like, you know, the hardcore like secret players. Or maybe there's a way you can like tunnel yourself from the first level of the game to the last level of the game, like at the very beginning or something like that. But I haven't discovered anything like that. I'm pretty sure that Red Faction 2 sort of took the idea of, um, the geomod technology and sort of adapted it for indoor environments. If I'm not mistaken, red faction two featured a heavier emphasis on like blowing holes in walls and like blowing doors down and stuff like that. Cause it's a lot more indoor focused, but uh, I haven't played it yet. I played it way back in the day, but I haven't played it yet. The PS4 version. So I will, um, I'll come back to that whenever I play it, maybe on next week's show or the week after. Okay. So what you're describing basically lines up exactly with what I thought. Like, I remember there being very specifically certain areas that were Geomod. And I remember being very, 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 like, very unimpressed with it. So that, that basically confirms that I'm always right at all times, (laughs) uh, which is what I thought. So, okay, cool. No more questions, but I would like to hear back. Uh, You going to finish this, uh, you think? Yeah, I'll finish it and I will play Red Faction 2 right after Excuse me. Okay, cool. We will talk about that next week. Um, we've only got one more game to talk about. Are you ready to move on to that, Corey? Oh, boy. We're already like an hour into discussion that we've got to tackle this big boy at the end. So let's get to it. All right, cool. So I'm going to f- do my wrap up on God of War. I talked about it on the last episode, and I promised all the listeners that I would finish it and that I would do a complete wrap up this episode, and I will uh, fulfill that promise. But this is your spoiler warning i'm gonna talk about well i guess is it okay with you that i talk about everything Corey? are you gonna play this or should i hold back i i literally just got this in the mail from gameplay yesterday so don't spoil everything but you can talk about stuff in depth if you want to but i'm going to start this game probably 
tonight or tomorrow. So okay, okay. So let me take that back. Let me take spoilers. it back. I will do no spoilers then. I will do my best to avoid any spoilers because if you're actually going to play it, I will wait. So cancel that spoiler warning, listeners. I will not spoil <laughs> everything. Maybe we will do a spoiler probably maybe next week or, you know, whenever you feel like talking about it, Corey, we can bring it up again if you want to talk about it. If not, no big deal. Uh, but okay, so scratch that. We will not spoil God of War. I will talk about it as much as possible, but no spoilers. So let's just drop the spoiler warning. It's fine. Don't uh, leap for your... <laughs> your uh you know your your mp3 player or your mouse or whatever device you're listening on your eye your phone etc etc okay cool so boy god of war where to even start i don't even know what to even start with um i finished the game (laughs) and okay so this game is reviewing like stellar stellar reviews i mean not it's not the best reviewed game of all time but I, I went back to Metacritic and I counted up like how many perfect like 100 out of 100 scores there were. And there were way more, way more than I expected. And to be perfectly honest, way more than this game deserves. Um, I'm a little bit surprised, <laughs> honestly, because this is not a bad game. I don't think it's a bad game, but I think it has a lot of issues. I think it's got a lot of problems. I think it's got a lot of rough edges and things that just don't make sense. And for some reason, the whole reviewosphere kind of just went like, what ifs? 100 perfect score 10 out of 10 and i'm like why are you guys doing this like i don't i mean there's always a certain there's always a certain contingent that are going to give a game a perfect score regardless there's always like you can go to any fucking game on metacritic just about any game and there's always like three yahoos at the top who are like 95 out of 100 100 out of 100 it doesn't matter what game there's always somebody on the fringe who likes it and that's fine totally fine maybe they legit like it that much i have no problem with that If you like this game, listeners, I'm not trying to take that away from you. I'm not saying this is a bad game. But what I am saying is that from a critical perspective, I can easily find many, many, many problems with this game that would sink a lot of other games. And for some reason, God of War is getting like the biggest hand wave. It is like is riding the biggest wave of like positive energy of like happy emotion and smiley pat on the back. We love you. Love you. Big hugs, Kratos. Why the fuck is this game getting so much like hand wavy love and no one's really talking about the issues of the game? I mean, I I think it's perfectly okay to like a game and to play a game and enjoy a game and at the same time recognize that it's not perfect and to talk about what it could be doing better or what didn't quite work. And for some reason, that just doesn't really seem to be happening. All I see is God of War is amazing. Oh my God, this is the best. This is the best game ever. I love this game. I can't stop playing this game. I took work off to play this game. This game is the shit, blah, blah, blah. And I just... This is one of those games like we just discussed where I'm like, okay, everybody in the world seems to be really fucking high on this game right now. And I am one of the very few people. I'm not the only one. I've seen a few others, but not many of us are saying anything at all remotely. But in this particular case, I don't think that I'm wrong. In fact, I know that I'm right. And I don't say that as being like a joke or being arrogant or anything. It's just like the problems this game has are very obvious. And I just don't understand why people are not like admitting that it has problems. Do you do you think it's because most I'm going to generalize here a little bit, but do you think that it's because most of the high profile game reviewosphere consists of straight white 25 year old single guys who think that someone crying represents emotional development and character for them? You know, I, I mean, maybe like I hate to generalize like that, but like I I'm really struggling Um to try to figure out why this game is reviewing so well. I mean, like in the case of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I think that game has major problems, but at the same time, I can easily understand why it was getting perfect scores. Like I think the things that the the Breath of the Wild did well, it did really, really well. 
and it did something new and it was innovating in certain ways. And like it brought, you know, it brought a lot to the table, despite the fact that I didn't think it was a perfect game. So that makes sense to me. Like I can understand how a game like, like Zelda, despite having problems, still managed to rack up like all these accolades. That makes sense to me. I can see that critically. But for this game, I mean, I mean, I hate to chalk it up to that, but maybe that's what it is. I mean, I don't know for sure. Maybe it's because a lot of reviewers are are the white guys and who are really like in a Kratos. Um, I mean, I think Kratos is okay. He's never been my favorite character. I think he's been kind of limited uh, in the past. And so maybe there's a whole contingent of like, you know, misogynistic dude bros who are really down with Kratos and he's their poster boy. Like, I, I just don't know, you know, like I, I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around why this game is reviewing so well. Um, you know, obviously it's got a lot of money pumped into the production values. Production values are through the roof. I mean, the voices are great. The graphics are like phenomenal. Um, but is that really all it is? Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I just honestly don't know. So anyway, I'm going to be one of the lone voices who says, this is not a terrible game. It's not a bad game, but it's just, it's just an okay game. Like, it's just, it, it looks great. It sounds great, but it's just an okay game. So when I had wrapped our segment last week, I thought I was almost done with the game. Yeah, no, I wasn't even remotely <laughs> close to finishing the game last week. In fact, I wasn't even sure I was going to have it done uh, for this show because this game is way, way, way too long. It's, it's like it's at least twice as long as it should be. And I didn't do any of the side content. I didn't do any of the exploration. I didn't do any of the side quests. I didn't collect any of the collectibles. I like total critical path. I am only doing the next story-based quest that I have to do. That's it. I'm not doing anything else. And it still took me, I mean, like more than 20 hours, dude. Like it was above 20 hours. And I was like, I couldn't believe how long it was. And a lot of it is just padding. Like it's just really, really pointless. Go here do this thing that really doesn't mean anything, get this key or get this doodad you need and then come back. And like, that's all you're really doing. It's not really developing the story. It's not adding new interesting gameplay twists. It's just like a lot of stuff, especially when you start getting close to the end game, you really can feel the developers like struggling to throw everything in your path to make sure you're not going to finish this game anytime soon. And it just, it doesn't serve the game well at all. Way too much fat. Um, additionally, I felt like the story elements were terrible. This game has a bad story. I'm sorry. It is just a bad story. <laughs> but Brad, that's what it's getting praised for is it's emotional and deep story. Which blows me away because I can think of so many other games that do story better. Like The Walking Dead between Lee and Clementine, a thousand times better than anything in God of War. Or, um, jo was it Joel? What were the Last of Us? What are those people called? Joel and, uh... Joel and Ellie. Ellie. Yeah, dude, that was a thousand times better than anything, than anything here. I mean, there's other games, too. I mean, um, I remember I didn't play all the way through Life is Strange, but what I saw from Life is Strange, already way better than what I saw in God of War. And as a parent, it's like, it's got even a higher bar to, to clear for me. I was just like, I can't believe this game's story is, like, getting praised, because... God of War's son, you know, Kratos' son, Atreus, or Atreus? Atreus. He's an okay character. Like, he's not a bad character. Uh, but their story development doesn't make any sense. The pacing of the story doesn't make any sense. Their actual quest doesn't make any sense. I mean, they have a few okay moments here and there, but it's really weird because whenever Atreus does something, Kratos is kind of just like, ugh. And then they kind of go on. But then when Kratos has a moment, like, the game totally pauses takes time, looks at his face lovingly. He's like, got the lighting. And it's like, 
they seem to be putting all the focus on Kratos, where I don't really feel that's really appropriate at all at all times. And just like Atreus goes through these like weird mood swings where it just doesn't feel like the game is taking the proper time to let things kind of simmer. They're not giving enough attention to what's going on. Some of the twists, or they're not even really twists, but just stuff that happens just doesn't make a lot of sense. I just, I did not buy into it emotionally um, at all. Excuse me, my throat's a little dry there. Um, so I think the story is bad. The, I mean, the actual story, separate from the from the relationship, I think the relationship is not great. It's okay, but it's not great. But the story itself is bad. It's really bad. It's like aggressively bad. It's poor writing. When you get to the end of the game, you're just like, oh God, like that's that's where this was going? Uh, okay. And on top of that, like I think the combat is, is fairly good-ish. I mean, when you are surrounded by a bunch of guys, you're throwing your axe, you're doing your special powers. Like it feels okay. But like I said last time, there's just way too many mobs that are seem that seem exactly the same as the last mob you fought. They recycle a lot of the big guys. There's not very many cool boss battles. And some of the boss battles are not even really that good. So you don't really get like the big bloody spectacle that God of War used to have. And like, you just feel like you're just kind of doing the same battle over and over and over with the same like differently colored mobs. Sometimes they're green, sometimes they're red, sometimes they're blue, but it's just the same guys over and over. Like I, I feel like the enemy variety really lacking um, the strategies in combat really lacking and the the upgrade system and the collectibles and the enchantments and all this stuff that's in the menus is way overdone like none of that stuff needs to be this game is drowning drowning in collectibles so many collectibles to pick up and none of them feel important none of them feel significant none of them really advance the story or really mean anything they just feel like a lot of doodads to pick up and just stuff to find it's more time to spend on the game so you can go find these things that don't mean anything but by finding them all you're going to spend another 10 15 20 30 hours um sorry i just uh <clears throat> there's a lot of dead weight there's a lot of fat there's a lot of filler in this game if this game was like like eight hours for the story mode i'm not saying get rid of all the side content i'm not saying that but I'm saying if you kept that to the side and let me progress through the campaign, just the story, <coughs> excuse me, uh, just let me get through the story like in a tight eight hours, I would have liked the game a lot more because the pacing would make more sense. There'd be way less to get through that you didn't want to get through. Story beats would happen quicker. They could have better control over the narrative arc, um, but they don't do that. Like they make you jump through all these hoops. There's a lot of fat. There's a lot of filler. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't add up to anything. Feels like they're just making you play this game because they want to make sure you play this game for at least 20 hours. So they're making you do all the things that they can make you do. And by the time you get to it, I'm just like, Ugh, is that it? Like, that's all this was about? Like, this is this is not good. <laughs> so I wrapped it up. I'm not saying it's bad because, I mean, obviously it looks amazing. I think the exploration of God of War as a father is interesting. I think Atreus is a pretty good character. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more between them. I would have liked to maybe even play as Atreus for a while or maybe even just play as Atreus. I mean, I saw some people, I think it was uh, Dia Lucina on Twitter who was saying it would have been really interesting if they had pulled a Metal Gear Solid 2 where you thought you were going to be Kratos but, then Kratos, but then you ended up being Atreus. That would have been pretty interesting. There was a lot of ways this game could have gone that would have been much more interesting than what they did. And at the end of the day, like despite all the different changes, like we really thought this game was going to be really bold and experimental and brave. And so in some ways it still is, 
But in a lot of ways, it falls back on the old God of War formula, and it feels just really samey and boring, and just it's just nowhere near what I thought it was going to be. It's not nearly as good as I was hoping it would be. And by the time I finished it, I was exhausted, I was bored, and I really couldn't wait to be done with it. I was just like kind of, kind of like hate finishing it because I just wanted to move on to something else, and it just it was not worth the time and effort that I put into it. Like twenty hours was way too much to ask. So um, that that's what I can say without spoiling anything. Um, not good, not good. So we have a couple of other things, tertiary things to talk about, but as far as the game itself, any follow-up questions or any thoughts, Corey? Well, despite the fact that this game is getting like high praise about like its story and its like relationships and blah blah blah, <clears throat> it has occurred to me whenever you were discussing all of this that I don't even know what the game's story is about. So are you familiar with the previous God of Wars? not very okay well it doesn't really matter because they kind of give you a brief synopsis sort of i mean they kind of they don't really quite get to it but basically so okay going way back to the beginning of god of war and also this kind of ties into the stuff we're going to talk about afterwards i had to refresh myself on the beginnings of the series because it was kind of hazy but basically kratos is a dude he, I don't know, pisses some god off or something in the Greek pantheon, and he gets tricked into killing his own family, his wife and his daughter or two daughters or something like that. He is sent off on a mission by Ares or somebody like that. And, you know, also, if I'm getting this wrong, like, just don't bother emailing me about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's not worth it. So please don't correct me because I, I really don't care. And you'll find out why in a few minutes here. Um, but basically, he kills his own family, and then that starts off his rage and why he's the angriest guy in video games back in the day. And then he just goes to kill every single Greek god that there was. And so in this game, he is now in Norway or whatever. And in this world, Greek gods live in Greece. The Norse gods live in Norway or Scandinavia or Sweden or whatever. So like all those gods are in this planet at the same time. So now he's like hanging out with the Norse gods, hiding out from, I guess, the Greek gods. Or he just didn't want to be in Greece anymore for whatever reason. So he's married um, uh, a lady, a local, had a kid, and then he doesn't talk to anybody about him being like a demigod now. He doesn't talk about his past in Greece. He doesn't talk about like anything. So at the beginning of this game, his wife has died and he is now in sole custody of his son. And he is like, you know, obviously the world's worst dad. And so he's got to figure out how <laughs> to raise Atreus and, you know, what to do and how to bond with him. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So the story is basically you're taking your wife's ashes to uh, the tallest mountain in the realm. That's basically where the story kicks off. And if they had stuck to that, I think that would have been a much better game. Uh, I don't want to get into spoilers right now, but they kind of diverge from that, and it gets really dumb. But uh, basically, you and your son taking your wife's ashes to the top of a mountain. That's where it starts off. Okay, that sounds. Uh somehow not what i was expecting but also predictable at the same time i mean it doesn't go where you think it's going to go it ends up not being exactly what you think it's going to be but it ends up being a lot worse than what you expect so i oh, no. if it had just been the two of them going up a mountain and having that kind of like small scale adventure i think that would have been really touching um, a lot of opportunities for discussion a lot of opportunities for you know emotional moments but it just that's not where this game goes like it doesn't it doesn't really dwell on that very long and where it goes is really silly um, so, I mean, you want to segue any of the other stuff or you want to talk about the game itself a little bit more? Uh, we can segue. So this game, 
I have to say, uh, I've been in the review game for almost 19 years now, which is longer than some people have been alive that maybe listen to the show, longer <laughs> than some people who are playing games, longer than a lot of people who are playing God of War. I have been reviewing games. Uh, so I've been in, in the review sphere for a long time. And I got to say, I've been through a lot of shit over the years. I've been through a lot of stuff. I've taken a lot of heat for some of my opinions because I don't always agree with everybody about everything. But I always try to be honest. I try to be straightforward. I try to explain my thoughts. And if people want to hear them, that's fine. If they don't want to hear them, that's fine too. Uh, you know, I don't go around preaching to people. And I just I just review based on who I am as a person. And I just, you know, just give my honest take on things. And that, you know, that doesn't always sit well with people. I get a lot of people who throw hate my way over the years. A lot of people who, you know, want to cause grief for me. Um, we had a pretty poor time during Gamergate. That was not fun. Uh, and so... That kind of all came around again. For some reason, there's a lot of assholes who really like God of War. There's a lot of assholes who like this game. I'm not saying everybody who likes this game is an asshole, but this game has a very high internet asshole factor. And it's I've been actually <laughs> really impressed with how assholish people have been about this game. Because somebody asked me randomly on Twitter. You know, I try to be on Twitter a lot. That's like my main interaction with, you know, people who listen to the show, people who read Game Critics. Like, that's my main social media platform and so i mean i get approached by people i don't know all the time like it's pretty common that somebody who i don't know personally or who i'm not a friend with will say oh brad what about this or what about what do you think about this or you know it's it's pretty common it's not unusual but somebody had asked me if i was going to review god of war and i think i said oh yeah i think i probably will i mean we'll see and like that person was actually not asking from a good place they were asking from a bad place because I don't know, they thought I was going to, like, torpedo this game, or they thought I was, like, out to get this game or something. So they ran with that, and then before I knew it, there was, like, all of this, like, nastiness bubbling up around me. Uh, I started getting a bunch of hate mail. I started getting a bunch of really nasty stuff on Twitter. I had to block, I think, the first day after I told people I was, I was going to be reviewing this game, I think I had to block, I think, upwards of, like, 35 people on Twitter, like, that day. Like, it was just, like so many people coming at me and I, you know, I've blocked more since then where they just would like somebody I've never talked to somebody I've never had an interaction with ever coming out of nowhere to just like, you know, spew hate towards me. Um, Metacritic emailed me actually. And they said, Hey Brad, people are stirring up shit about you and game critics and they want you to be delisted from Metacritic because they think that you're a professional hater. And thankfully the people at Metacritic are awesome. I mean, they're very reasonable. I've had many good discussions with them. I love what they do. And they, uh, you know, they understand what we do. And, you know, we've had discussions about our review process and they get where we're coming from and it's all good. So we have a pretty solid relationship with Metacritic, thankfully, uh, because these trolls were trying to get us kicked off of Metacritic and trying to get me personally kicked off of Metacritic, which I think was going above and beyond since I hadn't even reviewed the game yet. And as, as of this moment, <laughs> still have not reviewed the game. Let's be clear. I haven't talked about God of War on Twitter, uh, except to answer that one question. And I think I made a joke about uh, Kratos' facial expression, but like that was it. Like I haven't, it's not like I've been on Twitter like railing against this game. I haven't really said anything about it. I haven't been talking about it in a review sense. And, uh, you know, on top of that, it even goes further than that because uh, I was, uh, I got a Facebook message, which I'm not on Facebook very often. In fact, the only reason I'm on Facebook is because you have to save your game on Marvel Puzzle Quest through Facebook. So that is <laughs> literally the only reason I'm on Facebook is because I because I play Puzzle Quest, right? So uh, somebody sent me a message, and I'm not on very often, but, you know, every once in a while I'll get, like, a rando message from somebody who finds me on Facebook. 
and it was from Tom Chick. Are you familiar with Tom Chick? I'm like pretty sure I follow him on Twitter, but I also don't know who he is. So he's another old school reviewer. He's also known for being pretty hard on games, um, pretty pretty strict, pretty okay with letting a game have it with both barrels if he feels like it deserves it. He runs Quarter to Three, which is a site, and he also does some other things, but he's been around for a while, and he's he's pretty harsh. He's a pretty strict critic. Um, I've followed him for a while. I mean, I'm not like, a, uh, you know, I don't read everything he does, but like, I know who he is and, um, we're not friends or anything, but uh, you know, we, you know, you hear of people in the review sphere. So it was Tom Chick that sent me a message and I'm like, Oh, how random. Like, I, I don't know Tom Chick. I've never talked to him, but you know, it's not impossible that Tom Chick would want to Facebook friend me or something. I mean, critics do that sometimes it just happens. So he sends me a message and he's like, Oh, Hey, what's up, man? Uh, He's like, are you handling the review for God of War? And I was like, oh, hey, Tom, um, so nice to talk to you. I've followed you for a while, and, uh, you know, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I might I might review it, I guess. And he's like, yeah, fuck that game. We got we to gotta torpedo the game. I'm going to give it a one. And I'm like, whoa, um, that's weird. Like, you're approaching me from nowhere and telling me you're going to give this game a one. And so immediately my warning bells went off. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, well, nice to talk to you. Thanks, bye. <laughs> and within like about 15 or 20 minutes, uh, Facebook had flagged it as a bogus account. So, of course, if you follow that backwards, somebody had like made up their own um, bogus Tom Chick account to talk to me. And I'm assuming that what they meant to do was try to get me to say something incriminating like, yeah, fuck this game or whatever. And if I had said anything unprofessional or untowards, you can bet your sweet ass that they were going to post that on Reddit or going to post it on 4chan. And then that would have been the impetus to try to get me you know, to paint me as like a, some kind of unethical critic or as someone who had like a chip on my shoulder against God of War, right? I mean, thankfully, I am a professional. I don't have a chip on my shoulder and I am an ethical critic. So it's like I didn't get myself in trouble. But like it really disturbed me that somebody would go to the trouble of like kind of fishing me out on Facebook and trying to catch me in some kind of like self-incriminating behavior, which I felt like was really, really disgusting. So um, after all this happened, I still am getting a couple messages a day saying, where's your fucking review? Where's your review? And it's like, it's not anybody that I know. It's from these people who have like two Twitter followers and their account was created like <laughs> yesterday, you know, and I'm sure their followers are their alts that are also on Twitter. So it's like, I, I guess I'm just really surprised that I haven't even, I mean, this, this might make more sense if I had reviewed the game and if I gave it like a low score and if. You know, I mean, there's always trolls that come out of the woodwork whenever you give some game a low score. But this shit is going on preemptively, which is kind of a first for me. Like, I can understand if I had trashed a game, but I didn't trash this game. In fact, I've barely even spoken about this game anywhere except for this podcast. And I'm pretty sure those trolls are not listening to this podcast. So <laughs> it's weird to me that these people would go out of their way to, like, vomit poison on me and to try to, you know, get me in trouble and try to get me kicked off Metacritic and try to fish me out on Facebook. Because you think I might give your fucking game a bad review? Like, fuck all y'all. I just, I was really, just like, really disgusted with the whole thing. And it really just, it really put me off. And, you know, I've I've met so many cool people. I've had so many good experiences. I've had so much positive things to say about, you know, devoting so much of my life to games and about reviews. I mean, I really genuinely think a lot of who I am today is because of my involvement in games and all the writing and work I've done. Uh, But there's a lot of, like, really awful, nasty, disgusting shit, too. And this was a perfect example of that. So I was really kind of taken aback that people would go after me proactively before I had even reviewed the game. So uh, I have not reviewed the game. uh, And I believe that also uh, Mike Susky, who is one of our writers, 
I think he's going to end up actually taking the main review, but I'm preparing a second opinion, which will run right alongside his. So I think that we're both together going to cover the the, the game to give it two perspectives. But uh, coming up soon, so you know, keep your eyes out for that on Game Critics. But I just I just really kind of taken it back and really disgusted at the whole thing, honestly, man. Just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and like, okay, so, oh god, okay, there's like so much to talk about here, and I wish we had time to talk about all of it, but like, like, okay, so like I said last week, like, you, that I predicted that you would give the game like a 7 or 7.5, and then suddenly, and like, you haven't said what you're planning on reviewing the game as, but like, and then suddenly everybody would come out of the woodworks and say that you like hated it, and that you gave it a terrible score, and all that, and it's just like, First of all, like, get a life. Second of all, if you have the free time to create a Facebook account and find you on Facebook and message you over and over again, like, get a life again. And third of all, like, even if Game Critics reviewed this game and gave it, like, a 2 out of 10, which would never, ever, 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 ever happen. I mean, I imagine between whether you were handling the primary or Mike was handling the primary for God of War, I would guess that the like absolute lowest score game critics would possibly give it would be like a 6.5 or something. I mean, that would, that would still only bring the game's average from what, like a 90 to like a 85 or something. Like, I don't even know what the average is right now on Metacritic, but like, it's just fascinating to me that people think that like, one single video game review site can just magically tank an entire review or an entire Metacritic score for a game and an entire, like, reputation for a game, even though, like, the game's going to sell, like, 100 million copies anyway. Like, it's, like, a $60 game, for fuck's sake. Like, it's just... It's so sad to me how many people just need to get a fucking life. Yeah, I don't get it either, man. I mean, if so what if somebody doesn't like your favorite game? You still like it. That's fine. Like, me not liking something doesn't mean that you can't like it anymore. And, I mean, the game has, like, so many, like, perfect scores already. Like you said, like, even if we did give it a 2, and I'm not saying that we are giving it a 2, but just for, you know, for the sake of argument, if we, like, for whatever reason gave it a 2, it wouldn't even scratch, it wouldn't even move the Metacritic dial because there's so many perfect scores up there. It's already got, like, 95 or something reviews up there. If there's one, two, it's not like going to bring it down to like 65. And even if it did, who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if we're ethical reviewers, we shouldn't care that maybe someone's going to lose a bonus over a fucking Metacritic score. You know, there's all sorts of like entanglements that we shouldn't even have to worry about because if we're actually just honestly reviewing a game, that's all you got to be concerned with. And, you know, I always give my honest opinion. If you don't agree with me, that's totally fine. I respect other people's opinions, but it's like for people to come at me like this, it kind of blows me away. And it also, I mean, I guess in one way, I guess I should be flattered that people are like scared. I want to give a game a bad review. <laughs> so maybe that means the people know who I am and maybe I have power, which I actually really don't. But, you know, if you think we're doing this for like to get attention, or if you think we have like a chip on our shoulder, like I, I mentioned this on Twitter before, but it's like for people like me who give honest opinions and I'm not saying I'm the only one. There's, there's other writers who I really respect and who are doing great work out there. So I'm not just like, it's not just me. I'm not trying to make this all about me. I'm talking about, you know, people who really honestly love what we do and really try their best and give an honest effort. In today's age of internet, you can get hate mail for a game days, weeks, months, even years after you turn in a review. I've gotten hate mail for games that are years old. We still occasionally get hate mail for reviews that went up years ago. 
And to get those messages after all this time, it fucking sucks. I hate going to my email box and finding messages that are just saying no shortage of awful stuff because of some game that I didn't like nine years ago, you know? So, like, to think that, like, we're only doing this because we want to trash some game, like, the price is not worth it. Like, let me tell you, like, having these messages show up in your box year after year after year, it, like, fucking wears on you after a while, and you just get so tired of it after a while. So, like, I just can't imagine anybody even doing this just to, like, start shit or because they want the clicks or something because the price is not worth it. And additionally, it blows me away that, like, constantly I'm getting people saying that we're clickbait, that we're only doing this because we're fucking trolls, and that we want, like, the ad money and stuff. I'm sorry, but, like, you don't even know what you're talking about because Game Critics is 100% <laughs> advertising free. We have no ads. I don't give a fuck if you click on us or not because it doesn't matter to us whether you click on us or not because we don't get paid by clicks. It doesn't fucking matter to me whether you click or not. I don't do shit for clicks because clicks don't matter. Clicks are not even in my world. And so, like, for people to come at me all the time and say that I'm some kind of clickbait troll is, like, I mean... I instantly disregard them, but it's like, it's so tiresome after a while. We go to like all this trouble to like make us like the most reader friendly, positive. We try to be accessible and open and honest. I mean, we have full disclaimers at the bottom of every review to tell people what we did. And so they can fully evaluate the work we've done. And they just like end up throwing it back in our face and just like so rude all the time. I mean, it really just wears on you after a while. So I got to say, it hasn't been this bad in quite some time. Um, I don't remember quite what the, the most recent bad one was, but it's been kind of bad with God of War. And I got to say, like, it is not it is not engendering me towards the fan base of God of War. I mean, I'm sure that many good people who are friends of mine love God of War, and that's fine, and that's I have no problem with that. But boy, there are a lot of just really fucking immature shitheads out there who really must stake their entire self-esteem on God of War's Metacritic score. Which is fucking sad as hell. It's really fucking sad. So, <laughs> Anyway, this has not been fun times. Um, and the worst part is, like, the game's not even good. Like, it's not even that good a game. So I feel like I'm, like, taking all this heat over a game that I really, in hindsight, could have easily skipped and not missed anything. So I kind of brought it on myself by playing this game. And I feel kind of shitty about that. But whatever. Uh, my review will go up uh, as soon as Mike finishes his review. I don't know which one will be the lead review. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's him. We haven't decided yet. But... We will be doing uh, doublehead coverage on God of War. You can look for that at Game Critics soon. And I am very much looking forward to washing my hands of this fucking game and never talking about it again. We can talk about it one more time when you finish it, but other than that, no more. Not going to talk about this game ever again. I bet you're just so excited for Game of the Year season whenever this game sweeps all the awards for every award for Game of the Year ever. I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, but at the same time, I really hope that it doesn't because I feel like this is going to be one of those situations where it's like, Everybody is so high on this game right now, but give it six months, and I'm hoping that cool heads will just take a step back and, you know, yeah, this was good, but at the same time, it wasn't really... I mean, people are already talking about Game of the Year, and I'm like, you guys need to slow your roll, because this way, <laughs> this is in no way Game of the Year material. Like, I just, I just don't think it is, so hopefully it'll be, like, one of those, you know... It's the same thing with, like, Bioshock Infinite, where people were saying that was, like, such a fantastic game when it came out, and then six months later, people were trashing it left and right. I mean, I don't think this game is as bad or makes the same kind of mistakes, but I definitely don't think it's a hundred out of a hundred and hopefully people will feel more comfortable to talk about the problems. Will I mean, feel free to celebrate the good things, but also admit that it doesn't get everything right. It's not a perfect game. And I think that it makes a lot of mistakes. So, you know, I would love to participate in that discussion and not just to have to defend myself constantly because I think that this game is pretty good, but also has some problems, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. 
yeah. So anyway, that's been my last two weeks. Can't say that I've enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to never talking <laughs> about God of War again. Fuck that fucking game. Anyway, that's all I have to say about it. Any final questions? You want to bring it on home? Uh, I don't think so. I'm probably I have it installed on my PS4, so I I'm I have to say, and because of reasons that I can gather based on what you said and based on games I've had similar experiences with, I'm not super duper thrilled about starting God of War. But I'm going to go into it with an open mind as much as I can. And if I love it, I love it. And if I don't, I don't. And whenever I play some of it, I will be able to give my lukewarm takes on the show whenever I start it. Well, that's the beauty of the show, man. That's what I really appreciate about you is because, you know, sometimes we agree. Oftentimes we don't agree. But I really enjoy, like, having the discussion with you. And whether I like something you don't or vice versa hearing each other's perspective and just kind of chewing things over is always like really worthwhile to me. So I enjoy that. And if you end up loving it, totally fine. I would be happy to talk about that with you. If you end up not liking it, I would prefer that, but whatever you want to do is fine. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we can talk about it for sure. And I'm curious to see what you make of it. So uh, get back to me after you put some time into it, we can talk about it and debrief and uh, maybe we'll do spoilers. Maybe we won't. We'll see. But uh, anyway, that's all I've got to say on it. And I don't ever, ever want to talk about it again until we talk about it on the show. All right, well, anything else? Are you ready to bring it home? I think we should bring it home. Go ahead and uh, pilot the ship, sir. All right, well, well, after Games Talk, this brings us to the end of our show, the end of episode 79. Remember that you can stick around after the ending music if you want to hear us talk about some bantery topics. Uh, Also, we did talk about, we have a spoiler section on A Quiet Place, if you're interested, if you've seen that. It's the second highest grossing movie after Black Panther this year, so odds are if you're listening to the show, maybe you've seen it. Maybe you want to hear Brad and I talk about some spoilers in it. Uh, If so, that's at the end of banter. Otherwise, feel free to bail. We will catch you next week for episode 80. I cannot believe we're already on episode 80 by the way next week. Um, I know. Like, I feel like just yesterday I was starting this in my spare, or in the, the master bedroom of my little apartment in Omaha, and now I'm in New Orleans recording in my living room, which... I only do because the acoustics are better in here than the bedroom. Um, but yeah, seems like such such like yesterday when we started the show. But um, anyway, uh, if you want to send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, show ideas, do not, do not, do not send us your hate mail about God of War, please. <laughs> For the love of God, if you if you love God of War and you disagree with everything Brad says. Just keep it to your fucking self. Nobody cares. <laughs> Brad, like he said earlier, he didn't he does he's not hot on the game. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. We want you to spend your time doing things you love and not spending time defending a game that you took absolutely no part in crafting <laughs> against someone you don't know over the internet. So please keep those comments to yourself unless you have thoughtful criticism then that's one thing but um please just just don't even bother uh but if you want to send us any other things uh you can uh email us at so video games podcast at gmail.com you can also post comments directly to game critics whenever the show goes live on game on oh my god i almost said graham graham critics uh game critics page <laughs> Graham <Kiddicks>. um, <laughs> it's been too, i've said too many words today it's been too long um <laughs> so uh you can also reach us on twitter that's a great place to reach us we are on twitter as a collective show at so video games and believe it or not you can also reach us individually which is undoubtedly the best way to get a hold of us um if you would like 
to reach us individually on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is my first and last name, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And Brad, what is yours? It is also my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's, and certainly no Kratos. <laughs> Kratos, it's like a breakfast cereal. <laughs> it's really salty, I don't like it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, all right, well, that's going to be it. Stick around for banter if you want. If you don't, uh, bail, and we will see you next week for episode 80. But in the meantime, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad, we'll see you then. Dude, all right, good. I'm glad that we're talking. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. It feels like we, it's, I, I know we say this a lot, but does it feel like it's been a long time since we talked? Uh, it kind of does, actually, in a strange way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we do this like like clockwork every week, but for some reason, I'm like, God, it feels like I haven't talked to Corey for like a long time. I got like all these topics to talk about. Like, I better get on the horn and talk to him pretty quick because I'm going to have too much shit to talk about. <laughs> It's, it's like probably it's been because a while. your like gaming life has been the fucking hottest of hot messes for the past week, so I can understand why your your topic build up situation. Oh god, we will get to that, dude. We will get to that. But first, I want to tell you what happened to me at this fucking store today. So, Corey, you eat food, <laughs> don't you? you? Eat food? Uh, contrary to popular belief, I do eat food. <clears throat> so I eat food too, and sometimes I run out of food, and that means I need to go to the grocery store. And this is where I just actually was right before this podcast. Uh, went to the grocery store with the family. Actually, one of my favorite things to do every week. I know some people really don't dig grocery shopping or it's like a drag. I actually look forward to it every week. I just love going with my family. Got the kid in the cart, going around. Like at one point we were bringing walkie-talkies. So like my wife would be on one end of the store. We'd be on the other. We'd be like talking over the walkie-talkie. My kid today was dressed up like an astronaut. So we were like going around uh, our local deli looking like an astronaut. But I got to say, man, um, do you ever get like meat from like the deli counter or cheese or anything like that? Uh, not usually. In rare circumstances, Patrick will pick up, like, some deli meat or fish or something, but not usually. So, we didn't used to be that family, but I gotta say, like, I was really disappointed with sandwich meat, uh, lately, like, the prepackaged sandwich meat that you can get or whatever, and I'm just like, ah, oh, these are kind of gross, and they're just, ugh, ugh, I want something better. So, we decided to try, like, our local, um, deli counter, and we have been pretty pleased with it. You can, you know, if you pick something that's on sale, you can get a good deal on something, and usually the quality's pretty good. And I'm a sandwich guy, so I like sandwiches. So anyway, we go to the deli counter pretty often. And I got to say, I don't know what it's like at your deli counter. Maybe you don't know because you don't do it that often. But like when I go, I got some surly ass motherfuckers working the deli counter, dude. Like they sit back there. Their only job, their only job is to slice meat for people who need meat sliced. That's literally your job description. And then I go up there and it's like, you can ask for one thing and it's fine. Hey, can I get some salami? Yeah, no problem. And then they give it to you and they walk off and I'm like, whoa, 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 I got like four more things. Oh, okay. What else do you want? Like, man, you're, you got nothing else to do back there. If you're not slicing meat, you're just simply standing there. You need to get some slice of meat. Like what? It makes me crazy. So like, they just give me so much attitude, but it's like, I've gotten used to having these particular meats and like, you know, have a good sandwich, take it to work with me, whatever. I'm like, I want to have these sliced meats and I do not appreciate the attitude from these fucking people, dude. <laughs> Excuse me. I am dying of. Hold on. I'm I'm choking to death. Be right back. Or am oh I not? God. But hold on. Please don't die. <coughs> R.I.P. Brad Galloway, 2018.
Okay, back. I didn't die, so it's we're fine. All right. You can edit that out or just leave it in, and people will like <laughs> have this like really long pause where they're wondering if I actually died or not. But it's fine. I'm still here. Anyway, um, so that was kind of the shitty part of my day, but there was actually something else that was like supremely shitty that happened. So, oh, no. Oh, even worse than that. Even worse than Tude from the Daily Counter meat slicing guy. <laughs> what which could I, be worse than that? Dude, there's only one thing worse than that, and I'll tell you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on, man. My esophagus is just like, it's like drying up here. Anyway. So we bought some chicken. We're going to do some grilling. It's actually finally, finally um, a little bit of springtime here in Seattle. We've had a grill out back. You know, we, we like to grill, and we haven't had it, uh, you know, rolling for a while. I mean, it's been cold and wet, rainy. But we're like, oh, this week's a good week. I think we should get the grill out. Let's get, grill some chicken, get some kebabs going or something, get some veggies on the grill. Good times, right? So, like, we get some chicken. My wife's like, oh, yeah, we're going to chop up the chicken, get some pineapple, uh, bell peppers, maybe some onion, a little bit of glaze on that. That'd be pretty good. I'm like, yeah, 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 let's do it. So like she gets some chicken. She puts the chicken in double plastic bags. So as we're standing in like the meat department, right? So like, it's like a little pre-sliced thing, chicken breasts or whatever. Puts it in. We go to the whole fucking grocery store, get it in the bag, bring it home. And she's like, okay, well, you know, I know you got your podcast and I got to take off. So let's get the food put away real quick. Yeah, 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 no problem. So like I fucking get the chicken out of the bag. I pull over the chicken and I hear this little something and I'm like, wow, what is that? And my wife's like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? She's like, look, fucking chicken juice and blood had seeped <laughs> out of that package all down my front, my stomach, oh, my fucking gross. crotch, my legs, in my shoe. And it soaked my sock, dude. I was covered Ew. in chicken blood and jizz and juice and disgusting stuff. And I'm like standing in my kitchen in a pile of chicken chicken liquid and i'm like oh my god i can feel it soaking into my balls i just I gotta get my fucking clothes oh, uh it was the worst it was the worst i had to go fucking disinfect myself i burned my clothes i mean thankfully the chicken was still okay just but ah uh, not getting off to a good start today man but anyway that was my little um grocery shopping experience uh sorry to kind of open with a bang here, but I'm just going to no, work that because I had like a really, really negative experience at the grocery store today. <laughs> anyway, so what's up with you, man? How you doing? I feel like uh, let's let's reconnect. Let's take time. Let's get back together. Let's talk about things. What's up, Corey? Well, I want, um, I actually want to respond to your grocery store story very quickly. Um, so <clears throat> whenever you're talking about the people at the meat counter that are like, don't have good attitudes and stuff, that's something that that reminds me of because I've only mentioned it on every single show since we started the show is that I used to work as <laughs> I used to work at target. And, um, and like, I know that this would take some extra time and it would maybe be inconvenient and it maybe like, wouldn't be the best use of your time, but like, like good old, like previous target manager, me would say <clears throat> that if you have like experiences like that with the meat counter dudes, or if you like have repeated experiences like that, um, I would totally just like find a store manager and just be like, Hey, like I don't want to file a big complaint or make a big deal about this, but I just want you to know that like the guys that are working the meat counter, they're kind of in a bad mood. They always seem like they don't want to help me. They're not very friendly because sometimes um, like management can have their eye on employees that are maybe not very good, but they don't have the time and energy to like, hold their hand and follow up with and customer complaints are like, can't, I mean, they're not like a nail in the coffin for like firing the people, but they can definitely be pretty um, active in getting those people like on like a disciplinary track or maybe like 
getting them in trouble or something like that. Um, and I mean, I'm, of course, I'm not advocating for them to like be fired because they're like not in a good mood at work or something. Because I'm sure that the Delhi County guys are probably getting paid like seven dollars an hour and you know not doing super great work all day. But like, that would be something that I would maybe consider. Like, I don't know, like tracking down a manager and just being like, oh hey, like these guys are always in a bad mood or something like that. Like while you're in the store shopping. You know, I have thought about it. I have thought about it. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, the store that I go to um, is one that I actually used to work at. Not that particular location, but I actually was a grocery bagger in one of my many previous lifetimes. And mm-hmm. I was actually a cashier person. And I actually worked the fucking daycare at the store, too. We have daycare at that store. Oh, rad. So I was like, I think I was the first guy in that store's history to ever work the daycare counter, um, which was a... I was fine with that. I mean, I liked it. I thought it was really fun. I got to watch like animated movies all day long. And honestly, <laughs> you didn't really have to do anything except for make sure kids didn't kill themselves, which is one of my specialties. Um, but I thought about it, and I, and I was like, you know, on the one hand, I agree, because, like, as a customer, and we spend a lot of money at this grocery store, it's our usual usual hangout. We go there every week, at least once or twice. I mean, we support this store big time. And, you know, I, wa- I don't want to, like, have to, like, be afraid to go to the grocery, you know, the, the deli counter, and, like, you know, oh, hope the guys aren't in a bad mood today. Maybe I'll just skip it this week, you know? Like, I don't want to be that guy. But at the same time, I mean, you're probably right. I mean... They're probably making absolute minimum wage. The conditions probably fucking suck. As someone who has worked at that grocery chain before, I know how shitty the management can be. I mean, hopefully they're not as shitty now as it was 20 years ago when I was working there. But I'm like, you know, I I would feel really bad if they got fired or something like that. But at the same time, I, I, you know, it does suck to like feel like I just have, I just, I'm here to shop. This is a food store. I'm here to buy food. You have food. I want to buy food. And then to feel like I'm the one like imposing because I'm buying their food, which actually keeps them employed. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to be that high and mighty dude where I'm like, yes, you must smile and tap dance for me when I buy salami. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know, dude. I'll think about it. I mean, we'll see. I got to consider it. I got to consider it. So um, one thing that we have started doing, do you do pickling, Corey? I don't imagine you do a lot of pickling. Uh, is that like a gay sex thing? <clears throat> you tell me, man. Is it? <laughs> Uh, damn it, you turned that one around on me and I wasn't expecting it. Oh, um, uh, gotcha. Not that I know of. <laughs> okay, well, make something up and get back to us next week and like invent what pickling would be. I don't know what that would be. I could come up with some ideas, but we'll save that for later. No, actual pickling. Like, I guess I should say, do you like pickled things? Do you like to eat pickled items? Um, I mean, I don't actively seek out <clears throat> pickled things. The only thing off the top of my head I can think of is like pickled ginger. Um, which I don't even really know if I like that. Um, so I, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I, am I allowed to just say pickles in this scenario? Because they're pickles. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that's pickled. I, I love pickled anything, dude. I think pickling is like one of mankind's greatest achievements. It is so delicious and makes boring foods exciting. And it adds like a brightness whenever you're making something. And so like we're big on pickling and we're actually getting bigger into pickling. So we, um, I mean, we actually don't make regular pickles because there's like 10,000 varieties at the store and you can just buy those real easily but we do like to do other things we've been doing a lot of pickled onions have you ever had pickled onions i don't think so <clears throat> they are really good if you take like some any kind of onion and stick it in a not not like a dill pickle brine like there's many different kinds of brine like whenever people think of pickles they usually think of dill pickles and those are fine but there's like many 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 kinds of pickles you can make you can make sweet make salty you can make spicy i mean you can make a mix it's not all just dill and that's usually what people think of and so they're usually like i don't want dill on everything well i, I don't either i mean it's there's many <laughs> different kinds of 
pickling. So we do pickled onions a lot. Usually we do like a red wine vinegar, uh, a little bit of garlic or something. That comes out really good because after they pickled for a couple days, you put them on like a sandwich or like on top of eggs or something. Super, super good. But like what else we've been doing lately, which I've actually been really like kind of over the moon for, is we have been doing pickled eggs. Have you ever had a pickled egg? No. Have you ever seen a pickled egg? I don't think so. So you take an egg, you hard boil it, you peel the shell off, and then you stick it in some brine. And so what we've been doing, um, similar, like I think a red wine vinegar, uh, but also we've been doing um, salt and pepper and like actual jalapenos. So you, you take a like a jalapeno, pickled or pre-pickled or raw, slice it up and then throw it in there. And it doesn't make the egg super spicy, but it gives it like this little like kick when you eat it. And so the egg goes in there. It can sit in that brine for like a real long time. And the outside, like the white part of the egg, actually gets really, really firm. Like even firmer than a normal, than a normal hard-boiled egg. It's very firm. And the yolk inside gets really extra firm too. The outside gets a really cool color based on whatever kind of brine you're making. I think the, the one that we had, they were kind of like purplish on the outside. And then as soon as you like slice them open, they're still like bright white. And, uh, you know, the yolk is still yellow. It looks normal on the inside. But like you can um, just take those out. And just, like, eat one just, like, as a snack because it, like, it's already, like, pre-seasoned. Like, it's got all the salt and the flavor. It's got a little bit of spice from the jalapeno. Just have it like that. Or you can slice it up and put it on a sandwich on top of crackers, put a little cheese on top of it. It's really fucking good, dude. Like, I'm just, like, I'm, like, really digging these uh, pickled eggs lately, man. Maybe you guys can go to try sometime if you're ever uh, in the mood. It sounds good, but it also sounds like a lot of work. Um, and I'm lazy, and also, <laughs> I'm not the world's biggest fan of eggs in general, so maybe, like, pickled eggs would not be my thing. Well, maybe not, but you could, you should try pickling something. Like, pickle, I mean, pickled onions, I think, are really good, so that's always great on a burger. If you guys do, like, burgers a lot or hot dogs or something, really nice little surprise thing you can bust out if you have guests over or if you want to seem, like, really, you know, cultured and fancy, but it's really, like, super <laughs> not that much work. I mean... Throw onions in a jar, throw some vinegar in, close it up, let it sit for a couple days, boom, you're done. Like, it's pretty low-key. So, anyway, that's my food tip for the week. Not like I have a history doing food tips on the show, but since I just go back from the grocery <laughs> store, it's kind of what's on my mind right now. So, anyway, what else, uh, what else is on your plate today, man? Well, I have an update to my rat behind the stove story. Oh, shit. I saw you, I saw you tweet about that. <laughs> And I was like at work, so I couldn't respond because I was in the middle of doing something. But I definitely wanted to bring that back up. Let us get a recap on your cannibalistic giant mutant rat story. Oh, boy. Okay, so for everybody that listened <clears throat> last week, I had a rat behind my stove for like a few days. And it was living behind the stove. It would come out and get on the countertop every once in a while. And actually, the night that we recorded the podcast last week is the night that I got it. So I went to... Home Depot down the street after we recorded the show and I picked up like a little I looked at their rat trap section and I could only find one no kill trap and I bought it and whenever I got home I discovered that that thing was going to be way too small to catch the rat that was in the apartment because the rat was just very large and oh really wow it was too big for that trap oh yeah um i it was i mean the trap was not very big like i want to make that clear but because i could have bought like a legitimate like old school like wooden paddle mousetrap dealie because they have those that are like very large but i didn't want to kill the rat that was like my whole thing like i just kind of don't want to catch it and like release it outside and plus i didn't want to clean up all of like the rat guts that would like you know and like blood and stuff that would totally you know, totally yeah so Some mass disease and shit yeah you don't want to yeah with that. Like, I mean, I don't want a chicken juice situation on my hands like you had earlier. 
It was so, on my balls, Corey. I had oh chicken juice God. on my balls. That I'm you should serious. probably like go to a doctor and get that checked out. <laughs> I, need, I need to get sprayed or I need to get deloused now or something. It's it's gross. Anyway, continue, please. Sorry. Uh, well, so I ended up going out to the garage because uh, I can't I can't remember if I had mentioned on the show or not about the idea of using a cat carrier to catch it. Yes. So, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. So I followed through on that idea and I brought a cat carrier inside and I set it on the sink, which is like the way our kitchen's set up there's like a stove and then there's about a foot or two of counter space and then we have the two like our sink has like the two sections in it that's right there on the counter so i set it like on the sink and i had the door open and i and i put a towel over the top of it because it has like a grate on the top that you can see through and i was like man like how how am i going to catch this thing because even if i'm like in the living room and i hear it get out um Basically, by the time I, like, stand up and look at it, it's, like, already kind of scurrying back behind the counter or back behind the stove. So somehow I'm going to have to, like, find a way to get this thing in here, close the front grate on it, and, and, you know, without it, like, running away. So I put some of the rat trap, like, goo stuff that comes in the tube in the back of the cat carrier. And I don't know if the rat that we had was just, like, super, like immune to that stuff but it was not it did not come out at all whenever i squirted that stuff and then was I was it like bait or what 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 is that it's like whenever you buy like rat traps and stuff it's this kind of like it's kind of like a little tube it looks like glue or something but it's like a greenish color and you like squeeze it onto the trap and it's supposed to be like more effective than like peanut butter and stuff at like catching the rat senses and like getting them to go get it and they can eat it and I'm guessing that it's non-lethal because you're supposed to put it in the rat trap, like the rat trap oh, that I okay, bought. Okay. So it's just All like right. a lure. It's kind of like a gummy, like gel lure kind of stuff. Um, I've, I've never heard of that, but I believe you. Yeah, it's totally weird. And I had to buy it separately whenever I bought the rat trap, which kind of bothered me. But it was fine because it was like an <clears> ounce <throat> for like, I don't know, like five bucks or something. So it wasn't the end of the world. Um so then I put some peanut butter in the cat carrier thinking, okay, well, if this stuff's supposed to be better than peanut butter, why don't I just try peanut butter? Cause that's like the next best thing. So I put totally. peanut butter in it. Peanut butter apparently was not working either. It was not interested in the slightest. And then my last resort was, well, I have some slices of American cheese in the fridge. And <laughs> what is more classic to catch a mouse with than fucking cheese. So I get a slice of American cheese out of the fridge and I like, pull it into these like little kind of bite-sized pieces and I kind of sprinkle them around the inside of the cat carrier and believe it or not the mouse came out like or rat I should say because it was very large um like within probably 30 seconds to inspect what was going on Whoa, seriously yeah seriously and so I stood I had the light off in the kitchen and I stood in the doorway between the living room and the kitchen and it would come out from behind the stove and it would like very cautiously go into the cat carrier and, but instead of standing in there and eating it, it would snatch a piece of cheese and then run back. And it wouldn't go behind the stove, but it would stand right next to the stove and then eat the cheese right there. So that yeah. way it wasn't like trapped inside the carrier eating it. So I had to figure out a way to basically close the cat carrier while it was inside getting the cheese. So I ended up standing like with my arms over the cat carrier and my right hand like on the door of it and the door was probably about halfway open on it and after about three or four tries because the rat was so quick like it would come out from behind the stove and it would stare at me for about 30 seconds and i don't know if it's because i wasn't moving or if it be was because the kitchen was kind of dark somehow it 
assessed me as a non-threatening being. Were you like dressed in black or anything? Did you have a camo like a mask on? Were you like, <laughs> did you put a big mouse costume on and like just like sit there? Like what? You literally were just like standing there with your hand I, on the box. Yeah, I was literally just standing there, like standing there, like my <clears throat> kind of like the the cat hair was kind of like wedged into my like right armpit, and I had like my arm over across like the side of it with my hand on the door, and I had my left hand kind of bracing it on the top. You're, and, you're uh, blowing my mind. I can't believe the rat was so bold that like you're fucking holding the cage and it runs inside the cage with you holding the cage. That is, that's insane. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know what the deal was. And maybe I like, I'm going to try to credit this to like my kitchen being kind of dark at the time. Cause I like didn't have the light on and I had a light um, or I had my living room lamp on, which is not like super duper bright. So maybe it was like just dim enough that it like couldn't really see me super well. And it, like, went in and out of the cat carrier, like, three times, and I wasn't fast enough to catch it in there. And every time I got a piece of cheese, it would go back behind the stove for, like, for, like, a few minutes. So I was standing there for probably, like, 30 to 45 minutes just, like, trying to get this rat with my hands on the cage. And eventually, like, the fourth time it came back, I had pushed the cheese all the way into almost the back corner of the carrier, so it would have to go in farther to get it. And it went in, and I slammed the door of the cat carrier shut on the rat's tail. So its tail was still <laughs> poking out of oh, the dear. damn carrier. Wow. And I immediately, like, panicked because it, like, screeched for a second, but it didn't, like, it didn't get, like, violent or anything. It just, like, like yelled whenever I closed the thing on its tail. And then it just kind of, like, was still. And I was like, oh, my God, is it going to, like build up rage and like explode and like eat me or something <laughs> or is it just like chilling out it didn't try to bite your fingers he didn't but i had to because i had a towel on top of the carrier so like my hand like the front of the the grill of the carrier door like is totally like where it can like reach its nose and like its arms through it but because i had the towel over my hand like i was trying to protect my hand in case i wanted to bite my fingers because i was not about to expose my fingers directly to the rat so Luckily, I didn't have to worry about that, but I did have to worry about clasping the little, like, things on the front of the carrier in order to shut it all the way without, like, you know, cutting its tail off or something. So I ended up, like, I let a tiny bit of pressure loose whenever I was trying to get the clasps into position, and it pulled its tail in, and it was, like, pretty chill for the most part. Like, I think he was pretty excited because he had, like, a bunch of cheese in there to eat and probably hadn't eaten in, like, three days. And then eventually he started, like, trying to bite through the bars at the front of the door and, you know, obviously wasn't going to get very far in that adventure because they're, like, metal. It's like a metal grill for the door. So I ended up taking the carrier, like, with the towel on top still and my hand kind of, like, wrapped in the towel around the top handle. And I walked it all the way down to the levee. There's a levee about four or five blocks away from my house where I live in my neighborhood. I walked it all the way down to the levee and then I opened the little door and I, like... It was, like, hesitant to come out. It was, like, scrunched up in the back of the cage. And eventually I, like, pushed it and maneuvered the cage enough so that it came out of the, the carrier. And then it just took off into the grass next to the levee. And I was successful in my hunt for the rat behind the stove. Wow, dude. I thought you were going to say, like, you rigged up some kind of, like, rope and pulley system. And you were, like... <laughs> a block away holding the string and you were like looking at a closed circuit TV or something. I, I, I literally can't believe like you literally stood there and just had your fucking hand on the cage. Like that is, that is blowing my mind. I cannot even process that. Yeah. It was really silly. I mean, I felt like I was getting discouraged because it kept like going into the cage and grabbing cheese and running out before I could shut the door. 
But I was like, man, I'm in it for the long haul. Like, I've already been standing here for, like, 30 minutes. Like, if I don't catch it now, when am I going to catch it? I don't want to kill this thing. And I was... I came out uh, on the victorious side of catching a live rat and not killing it and then releasing it outdoors. And who knows, maybe like 30 minutes after I released it, it like died or something. But all I know is that (laughs) I did not want to kill it. I hope that it's still doing well out there. It has not retraced its steps back to the house as far as I know. So the hunt was successful. Well, you know, maybe, maybe you caught him because maybe that rat like picked up on your kind of your karmic energy. Like maybe it knew like you weren't really wishing him any harm, you know, I don't know. Maybe who knows animals got those extra senses, you know, maybe he smelled that you were not a hostile and didn't wish him ill. So who knows, but congratulations, dude. I know I would be kind of freaked out if I had like a large rat like that running around my house. So it must be a load off that that thing's not scampering around anymore. Yeah, definitely. I don't have to worry about it. Like, um, Gosh, just like poking its gross head out from the stove and walking around on the kitchen countertops. Like I definitely like cleaned and like disinfected the kitchen countertops after because just the thought of like the gross rat with its like gross like paw things running around on the countertops just ugh, really grossed me out. So I uh, yeah, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's gone, but I'm doubly glad that it is not dead. Yeah, I bet. dude. You know, speaking of rats uh, on Netflix. I think we talked about this. There was a documentary I watched with my son a while ago that was actually called Rats. Did I talk about that on the show? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it too much, but like it's still on Netflix. And so if you got Netflix, you watch it for free. It's basically like an hour and a half documentary all about rats. And just like they talk about like how they got here, what their life cycle is like. And then they go to different cities. Like they go to New York City and they talk about the rat problem there, which is like a horror show. They go to this, like, temple in India where people, like, worship the rats. They go to Vietnam where people eat the rats. They go to, like, all these different places and kind of just, like, look at rats from, like, every angle. Like, biological, how they affect our culture, how they have adapted to live with us. I mean, it's really fascinating. I mean, maybe don't watch it now if you're still kind of skeeved out from your your <laughs> up-close and personal encounter. But, like, I thought that was a really, really fascinating uh, show. And I learned, like, actually a lot of stuff I didn't know about rats. So, since we're talking about rats, I'll throw that out there. That's a pretty good recommendation. Uh, you know, sit down, watch it for an afternoon. You learn something, feel better. It's good. It's good stuff. Speaking of which, uh, I want to talk really quickly about Lost in Space. I mentioned it last episode. Is that correct? Also on Netflix? I think that is correct. Finished watching Lost in Space. That was super good. That was super, super good. Um, not a lot more to add on top of what I said last week, but basically it's just an, a modern update and a modern retelling of the 60s, you know, sci-fi campy show Lost in Space. Uh, you know, all new characters, no connection to the original series, just kind of like a brand new start fresh, take the same idea of a family who is kind of marooned with their spaceship in, in space on a foreign planet. They don't know where they are, what's going on. Alien stuff happens just really, really good. Like every episode was like this little mini drama where like something bad would happen every single episode and then they would somehow survive it. Something bad would happen the next episode. They would survive it. So it, it stayed true to the original show in that sense, because that's very much what the original show was about. Uh, the cast was really strong. The script was really good. Uh, the robot, which is uh, one of the, the notable characters. There was always a robot in the cast. He looked really cool. It was good. If you want, like, good, clean sci-fi with a lot of, like, uh, ups and downs and twists and, uh, you know, a little bit of laughs. Not, it wasn't a comedy, but there were laughs. And the special effects were great. Just good all the way around. I really, really enjoyed it. It was good stuff. Good. I am happy to hear that i'm not sure if i will ever watch it but i'm glad that it's good 
Yeah, well, if you do, I mean, I know we often talk about how we are selective about what we watch and stuff. Maybe this isn't exactly up your alley, but boy, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I have one other thing that I want to do a spoiler section on with you, but before we get to that, is there something else that you want to talk about for banter? Anything random? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. If it's all right with you, uh, Gina and I actually ended up going to see A Quiet Place uh, last weekend, and I wanted to kind of debrief with you a little bit. Would you mind talking about it again? No, I wish you could have seen how hard my ears just perked up whenever you told me that, so I'm excited to hear about it. All right, cool. So I don't have anything else really significant for banter this week. If you're okay with nothing else for banter, uh, why don't we throw up a spoiler warning right now, and then let's get into it. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, dear listeners, if you are hearing this, you are one of the faithful who listens to the banter every week, <laughs> and we want to not spoil you if you don't want to be spoiled, so please consider this your spoiler warning. I'm going to talk about every single thing about A Quiet Place, that recent film that was starring Emily Blunt, and what's the guy's name? Uh, John Krasinski. Yes, those I, you know, Jim from The Office is all I know him as, but that guy... <laughs> So if you don't want to be spoiled, please stop listening now. There's not going to be anything after this uh, on this particular show. We'll catch you next week. Otherwise, this is your final warning for 100% spoiler reveals, coverage, discussion on A Quiet Place, and go. Okay, <laughs> so we went to go see it. And based on your recommendation, I mean, I'm kind of a fan of that guy anyway. I like his work on The Office. I thought he was really a funny guy, and I enjoy his acting. Uh, you know, we like Emily Blunt just fine, too. And this seemed like kind of a really creepy... You know, we don't go out to see a lot of horror movies in the theater, but this one seemed kind of up our alley. Like, it didn't seem like it was going to be like a bloodbath. It had kind of like the sign language, you know, linguistic sort of thing in it. You seemed like you were pretty favorable on it. I know you had a couple of uh, issues with it, but it seemed like overall you were pretty positive on it, weren't you? Yes, for sure. So we went to go see it. And I got to say, boy, we have not seen a scary movie in the theater for a while because every time a jump scare fucking came up, we were both like, ah! And, like, it was the stupidest fucking thing. I felt like such a moron. My wife was, like, embarrassed. We were, like, apologizing to people around us. It was dumb. It was fucking dumb. I felt really goofy and stupid. But anyway, uh, so we watch it. And uh, for people who didn't catch last week's episode, it's um, basically, I don't know, monsters show up on Earth. They never explain it. And then the monsters have super hearing. And so everybody's got to be really, really shushy quiet. And then it kind of just explains how this family like lives in silence and then stuff happens. I mean, that's right, would, you want to add, that's you want to add good, anything to that, Corey? No, that was a good synopsis. It's important okay. to note that the monsters cannot see. They can only hear. True. Yes. The monsters are blind, but they've got like super powered hearing. And yes. Okay. So we kind of covered it last week. I don't want to like recap the whole thing, but I do want to talk about specific plot points uh the things that were kind of goofy and weird just like whatever whatever so Corey, um one of the things that you mentioned last week was one of the things that ruined your immersion or something that really kind of took you out of it was like they show the monsters being unable to get through a thing and then later on or no no, no, no i got it backwards they go through a thing first and then later on they cannot get through a thing so what i think you're talking about is at one point in the movie the kids there's a boy and a girl brother and sister they fall into like a corn silo or something like that. <laughs> it sounds so it... stupid to say it out loud. <laughs> I mean, but it was right. It was corn, wasn't it? Wasn't it corn? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was like feed corn or seed corn or some kind of corn that you use on a farm, farm corn, whatever corn. Um, world's biggest popcorn container. I don't know. But like they <laughs> fell into it. And it's one of those super tall silos that you see like in farm country. We don't have those out here. But I mean, you see them on TV. I assume they're like where you're from over there, right? uh probably 
like not in Louisiana, but like before that. Yeah, we were, like, like in, in Missouri and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, they fall in, and the one of the aliens or monsters or whatever gets in there with them, and stuff happens. But it like totally like there's a metal door they're kind of shielding themselves with, and the monster like punches through the metal door no problem, and then when the monster leaves the area, he like totally like blasts through the wall of the silo, which I'm assuming is all metal. I mean, it looked like it was torn metal when the monster jumped out. So that was, that was what you were referring to at first, right? That's exactly what I was referring to. And then later on, like not too long after that, but like the two kids end up in like a pickup truck and the monster is on top of the truck. And it seems as though the monster cannot get inside the truck. And that was what, that was what pissed you off. Right. I mean, I would pissed off as a little strong, but it's like what irritated me. Yeah. I totally agree, dude. In fact, when you had told me about it, you were, you did not spoil me on this, so I didn't know what was coming. But I knew that something like that was going to happen, and I was watching for it. Um, so a couple things first. A couple things. When those kids fall into the corn... Okay, granted, I've never fallen into a corn silo <laughs> myself. That has never happened to me. But I would imagine that if you fell onto a silo full of corn, it's not water. Like, that's solid shit. Like, you would... You know, maybe you would your feet would get into it or like the hand that you were trying to brace yourself with would go into the corn. But I really don't think it would suck you down like quicksand. Like it's like those kids were like being like actively pulled into the corn. And yeah, I'm like, it was you... really stupid. Yeah. I was like, dude, you would just lay on top of the corn like it's solid <laughs> corn. If there was like a drain at the bottom and the corn was like being loaded into a truck. And if the if the corn was being like sucked through like a siphon, like that would make sense. But that was not happening. It was just a solid silo of corn. Not the corn was not moving. There was like a corn whirlpool at the bottom of it. It was just corn, <laughs> and they kept getting. They kept acting like they were getting pulled under. And I'm like, what is going on? They should just lay still. They will sit on top of the fucking corn. Like, why are they acting like they're falling into the corn? Did you think that was weird? I thought that was extremely weird. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, maybe I get. You know, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh no. I got sucked into Any a corn silo. corn experts in the yes. house? Yes. If, <laughs> if we got corn experts, please tell us that we're stupid and we don't know what we're talking about. Because maybe that's true, but like looking at it, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, it's like fucking corn quicksand inside this fucking silo. It was ridiculous. Anyway, so that was weird. I thought that was just like, why is why is this even happening? This shouldn't even be happening. But I totally agree. Like the monster busts through the wall, no big deal. And then when they're in the pickup truck, it does seem like he's having trouble getting into the car. I didn't know if he was, like, just distracted or what, but I definitely think that those kids should have been munched. I mean, they were screaming or whatever, and that monster should have been through that roof, like, in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, it totally, like, if it can bust through the side of a silo, like, at a second's notice, it could have, like, ripped that truck in half in, like, 0.2 seconds. Dude, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Also, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, so mega, mega spoilers, uh, John Krasinski's character does not survive the film, which I thought was sad. And I know why they did it from a writing perspective, because, you know, he wanted to prove his love and it was like this ultimate sacrifice and he was a good father. Father is willing to do anything for his kids. I get it. But at the same time, I was constantly surprised and my wife was also constantly surprised by the fact that nobody ever really threw anything to make a distraction. Like if you play any fucking video game that has any kind of stealth in it. I guarantee you there's always an option to pick up a rock and throw a rock. Even if you're in a place where there's no rocks, like you could be inside an office building. You could be like at the North pole. You could be like in a zoo or anywhere. <laughs> if you're sneaking by it, you always have a rock that you can throw. And it was like, these guys are in the dirt in a farm and there was a whole bunch of like tools nearby and stuff. And it was like, so they're in this scene where the kids are about to get killed. John Krasinski, who is the dad, he wants to distract the monster by making a loud noise. 
And so instead of throwing something or, you know, making some kind of distraction, he just like yells and like gets the monster's attention and he dies like in five, you know, 0.5 seconds afterwards. I was like, dude, why did you do that? Like you were holding a weapon. You could have thrown the weapon. You could have, you know, just scuffled around in the dirt a little bit. Like you could have tried to get away. I mean, didn't that seem weird to you? Like that was like his, his only answer to that situation was just to give himself up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the only time that they really use, like, a suitable distraction in the movie is whenever Emily Blunt uses, like, the little kitchen timer to, like, distract one. Totally, but other yeah, than yeah, that, yeah. like, that's pretty much it. I was just like, man, I would be carrying a fucking bag of rocks with me all the fucking time, all day long, and I would be throwing rocks all the time. Like, I would, get, I would be, like, a master fucking rock thrower because, <laughs> like, if these guys chase sound stand fucking still and then throw a fucking rock like why i just <laughs> dude like how'd you guys live so long and not master that fucking skill that seems like a level one skill level up get that fucking skill what are you doing <laughs> fucking nuts dude um the other thing i thought it was really harsh at the beginning when that little boy was the very very first scene where um the little boy has the space shuttle and then the space shuttle makes noise and then the monster comes out and like like eats him like the very first thing that happens remember that part <laughs> yeah totally that was harsh. That was really harsh. <laughs> Me and my wife were both like, oh, God. Like, we knew that was coming. You saw that coming a mile away. But, like, I'm sorry. Worst fucking parenting ever. I totally squarely blame the parents for that happening. Because it's like, you know these monsters are no they're sensitive to noise. You've got a fucking, uh, like, four-year-old running around screaming, like, in the store. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's making all this fucking noise. You would pick that kid up, stick him in a backpack, or hold him, or something... And, like, he almost drops the toy a couple times. And then the dad's like, yeah, put this toy back and don't take it. And then, like, he just walks off. He doesn't make sure the kid leaves and not takes the toy. I'm like, dude, you are so not a fucking father. You don't know <laughs> shit about parenting because you're doing all this fucking stupid stuff that is, like, setting your kids up for danger. I was like, oh, my God. I was looking at my wife playing, ah, bad parenting fucking alert. What is going on? Oh, my God. And, like, of course, the kid gets killed five seconds later. I'm like, yep, fucking knew it. <laughs> not watching your fucking kids that's what happens when you don't watch your fucking kids oh my god i was like oh that was too much that was too much Corey. so now that we have the spoiler warning any other thoughts i want to hear more thoughts from you man like what else what what else got you man well okay so how in the fucking world did emily blunt somehow have a silent like uh delivery of her baby like how in what universe do you birth a child and not make a noise yeah, I mean, that was really... So, something was happening at that time, though, wasn't it? Was that was that when the fireworks were going off, or was it not when the fireworks were going off? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, to to her credit, that was going to be her one, two, three, fourth kid. And I am not a woman. I have not had a child myself. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been party to having a child, but I have not delivered a child. But I hear uh, that the more kids you have, the quicker and easier it goes. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe she has had the previous childbirth experience. Maybe she had a very generous birthing canal. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe maybe it was just mechanically easier for her. But I agree, dude. I agree. I mean, that's got to be a very painful process. I don't think she'd be able to do it completely silently. I mean, I don't think so. But yeah, I was like, wow, that seemed like a pretty crazy situation. Um, my wife, who is a woman and who has had kids... <laughs> was like, what the fuck? Why are they not going to give birth under the waterfall? Like, they make a big deal in the movie about the waterfall being the one safe place where you could scream and yell and hoot and holler because the water roaring is so loud that it drowns out all of the other sounds. My wife's like, what the fuck? 
Why did you not dig a cave behind the waterfall and live there? Why don't you go to give birth under the waterfall? What the fuck are you guys doing? And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's actually pretty. You got a good point, honey. I would like take you to this uh, waterfall and we can, you know, you could scream and roll around and do whatever, you know, carrying on you needed to do to have a kid. And I'm like, yeah, that seemed kind of like a weird, weird choice. I got to ask you though, dude. So like, you know, in the beginning of the movie where they are showing John Krasinski's basement, he's got like radios He's got the cochlear implant that he's fixing up for his daughter. His daughter's deaf. And so he's got this like, cochlear implant, which is like a super-powered hearing aid, basically. He's trying to soup it up and fix it up for her. And they show these newspapers on the wall, and it says, you know, monsters appear, angels of death, uh, go underground, be quiet, they can hear you. Like, like, there's all that stuff, like, on those newspapers. Do you remember seeing those newspapers on the wall? Oh, yeah, yeah. So how is it that when society was still around, people had already figured out that these were audio-based monsters because they're on the front page of all the newspapers. How was it that no one even tried to do any kind of audio weaponry? Like, you know, when they... they So, you know, they, they figure out that the daughter's hearing aid somehow messes with the monster's hearing, and that's really what, like, stuns them and gives them a chance to kill the monsters. Nobody else figured that out? Like, it seems like the military would have rigged up some kind of, like giant speaker playing acdc or something and gone around and like blasted the hell out of all the monsters it's like you knew and yet like the monsters still killed everybody on earth like that seemed really obvious and weird to me like why did why did nobody key into that i think i just sort of <clears throat> set that aside uh, and sort of like took the movie as um like, not necessarily assuming that John Krasinski's family was, like, the absolute last people left on Earth. Like, I just sort of thought, like, okay, like, maybe there's other survivors out there. Maybe there's people in bunkers. Maybe there's people in, like, I don't know, like, airplanes overhead or something. And that this story isn't necessarily about them. It's just about this one family. Like, I never really took the movie as it's trying to say that, like, their family was, like, the last people on Earth. But maybe they're just in such a remote area that it's sort of like their story and maybe like, I don't know, the government assistance with their like Lucio gun pistols, uh, like haven't quite <laughs> made it there yet or something. And it was just like them surviving. That would be fucking awesome. If like five seconds after the end of the movie, like Lucio rolls up or some guy with like the Lucio gun. Uh, okay. So that makes sense. I mean, I guess, I mean, they were pretty remote. So maybe they're just like in Appalachia or some shit where they're just like, People forgot about him or something like that, maybe, I suppose. But um, So, question for you, Corey. Where the fuck did he keep getting all this sand? Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't have sand in my house. He had, like, he had like tons of sand. I mean, yeah. I, I built my son a sandbox one time, and I'm like, yeah, no big deal. I'm going to build a sandbox for my kid. And I, I built the frame. I put it in the backyard. And then I had to fill it up with sand. And let me fucking tell you, it took, like... A hundred times more sand to fill that thing up than I actually thought it would ever do. <laughs> so where is John Krasinski getting all this fucking sand? I don't know. Maybe every time they like went to town to scavenge, they like picked up another bag or something. I have no. Oh idea. god! I was like, oh my god! Like, I mean, I get what you guys are doing. Like, I get you're just trying to show you're walking quietly and stuff. But like logistically, that is a shitload of sand. <laughs> no, you don't have that much sand, bro. Nobody has that much sand. Like, that's ridiculous. So that was fucking weird. And then. um or something else I was going to say about that, which I'm now forgetting. I did really like the way the aliens look like with their weird heads. That was kind of cool. Okay. So when I describe them as Resident Evil Lickers meets praying mantises, what do you think about that? Yeah, that was pretty right on. They had the front, <laughs> the front legs definitely had that mantis kind of backwards extra joint look to them. 
And the, they definitely look like liquors, like kind of the bald, meaty head, the sharp teeth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was a pretty very, very accurate description. Uh, <laughs> cool design. I mean, I like the way their little armor plates kind of opened up and, like, exposed, like, their meaty ears underneath. And that was kind of bizarre and weird. And when they were, like, looking around, all their little armor plates kind of became, like, little radar dishes and stuff. That was pretty pretty interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen an alien design quite like that. Um, as far as the head goes, I mean, the rest of it was kind of perhaps a little bit too familiar for my taste. Uh, but then again, I watched a lot of these kind of movies and I've seen a lot of monsters. But the head I thought was pretty neat. I liked that they, I feel like a lot of like monster movies, they either like show you too much of the monster or they show you not enough of the monster. And I feel like uh, A Quiet Place hit a pretty good balance on like showing you just enough of like the monster's physicality to keep them interesting, but without making it like a spectacle about the monster's like physical being. Yeah, I, I felt satisfied. Like I felt like I had a pretty good handle on what they look like and what they could do and that they weren't in every fucking scene and you know, it ramped up appreciably at the end. So I was pretty, I was pretty okay with that. Um, one thing that I thought uh, I did not notice when I was watching the film, but somebody else brought up to me, maybe you saw me talk about this on Twitter. I retweeted it was that uh, somebody who was deaf, actually deaf watched the movie. And they said uh, it was bullshit that every time that the characters were doing sign language, they captioned it for the hearing people. But then when the characters talked, they did not caption that for the deaf people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty lame. I didn't it didn't re, it didn't hit me at first. But like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucked because I mean, a deaf person could watch basically like 90 percent of the whole movie. No problem. But like when they did get to the few talking parts, there were no subtitles for that, which probably was an oversight on someone's part. I know there's a theater in like the indie theater in the New Orleans area, which is called the Broad Theater, which I actually enjoy a lot. Um they had, I saw on their Facebook page the other day, they were hosting a one showing event of A Quiet Place that had completely uh, like like open captions for the entire movie that was specifically for deaf people in and around New Orleans. So I'm oh, assuming cool. that that one had subtitles for the entire movie. I would hope <laughs> that it did. Um, but I thought that was really neat of them to do that. Yeah, that's cool. I love when they do those showings and stuff. And I'm sure that, you know, there are other, there are, there are other theaters that like, have open captions or closed captions or other type of assistive devices, which is neat. But I did think that person's point was, was kind of on point because really there's only like 10 lines of speech throughout the whole movie or something. Like there's very little speaking. They could have very easily made it accessible without requiring a special showing. So, I mean, interesting point, fair point. So I thought that was a good thing. Um, I think that's all I had to say about it. I mean, overall, I really liked it. I'm glad that I saw it. I do think it's a very good movie. I know it kind of sounds like we were just poking holes in it there, but, um, I, I mean, I thought it was very well done. I, I really liked it a lot. And I think, uh, John Krasinski should be proud of making a movie like that. It was a pretty good, pretty good horror flick. I mean, any other points you want to bring up or anything you want to chew over? Um, two, two short things. I just want to note that as of last weekend, it is the second highest grossing movie, uh, this year so far after Black Panther. So that's pretty exciting. Wow. That is great news for him. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, especially when you consider that like Ready Player One came out, which I mean, is like, I know it kind of got like some harsh reviews here and there, but like, we're talking about like a Steven Spielberg movie based on like a best selling book, which, um, you know, it's already made more money than that. But uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, though, while we're talking about subtitles and stuff, how accurate and how, uh, like, well done was all the sign language in the movie from your perspective? Oh, it was very well done. I mean, I think there were, I mean, you know, I could always nitpick that stuff. Um, but I think that in general, they did a very, very good job. Um, there were, so something that happens a lot of times when you have sign language in a movie, 
is that the camera will focus on the person's face, which is fine because I think that when you do sign language, you do spend a lot of time looking at a person's face. You're not just staring at their hands the whole time. But usually the hands will not be properly in frame. Like, I'm not saying the camera needed to focus on them, but, like, you would want to see the entire hand, the entire hand motion to get the full gist of what they're doing. They did a pretty good job of that, but there was a few points where I'm like, wait a minute, what are they, what, I can't see, okay. But overall, very good, very faithful. Um, uh, it, it very much, to me, was what, like, a hearing parent of a deaf kid would do, so that was right in line, and I think it was very appropriate. So I give them, a, I give them definitely a big thumbs up, definitely a passing grade on the sign language. I think they did a good <laughs> job of incorporating that, and it felt very much exactly like in in the bailiwick that should have been so yeah i give him a gold star for sure <laughs> uh maybe they'll put that on the movie poster going forward brad gave you a gold star and boy <laughs> that means something these days let me tell you so all right cool uh i think that's all i had any last little bits i think i am wrapped for banter all right dude i think we should probably start talking about some games what do you say i agree let's talk about some games 